The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. And welcome to the Monday edition of Brutal Nation. The podcast series is dedicated to lesser known serial killers and acts of true crime. <laughs> I am your illustrious host, the one, the only, thine Lord and Savior. Scott Alexander, and right across from me is the one and the only loud ass Sasquatch. Because I got to tell that story. <laughs> you told it once already. Did I tell that last week? Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, maybe not. Maybe, yeah, because it's been a week already. Oh, I probably already did tell that story. Yeah, then fuck it. Say I'm hi, Tim. Hi, everybody. I'm laughing because we were talking about you know the intern hooking up the new printer and everything, and you said we'll get out of your way. And I was about ready to say, but then you put us on the air. I was going to say, so are we all three going to go climb in bed and cuddle? No, <laughs> I've never been so fucking rooted out in my life. Yes, you have. <laughs> Yes, you have. Let us not mention the the butt rubbing incident of twenty twenty one. Fuck, we were talking about that yesterday. I'm still creeped out. Jesus yeah. Christ, man. That that traumatized you. I had a nightmare about that just a few days ago. Actually, I was laying there and I woke up in a cold sweat. Go, Don't rub my butt. Don't rub my butt. I was gonna say, was that worse than the nightmare you had about her when she pooed all over herself? Yeah. yeah. No, I remember that one too. Yeah. Blah. I love it. Jesus Christ. All right. So today is a medical Monday. And for Medical Monday, you get to present, because you like the medical ones. I do, actually. You know, I love the medical ones, and I've talked about this before, because even though we've been doing this for a while, I still have a hard time wrapping my mind around the concept of a medical serial killer. Me too. And I'll tell you why, because to me, and we've talked about this before, i got to be able to trust my, yeah. my doctors and nurses. And that kind of a profession is a calling. You have to have a calling to be compassionate and caring towards another individual like that. Because that's above and beyond regular human compassion. Oh, no, totally. You I know? totally agree. That's why I'm not a fucking doctor. Not, and I'm just being honest. I'm sending you oh, one no, of my I jokes. Oh, no, I get it. Because I have no bedside manner. I wouldn't be so, okay. Scott, so you don't down. even have any couch side manner. We have some <laughs> bad news for you. We, it looks like this. This would be like, dude, you're going to fucking die. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. I'm giving you like six months, maybe a couple of years. You're, you're toast. Yeah, because you're a straight shooter. And I yeah, mean, I, I, I can't be any other way. But I know. And my doctor direct. always talks me back down. He'll go, you know, Tammy, that's probably the least thing I'm worried about right now. Let's check for this first. I'm like, oh, okay. You're right. <laughs> because I will always go that worst case scenario in my head. Always. That makes sense. So you keep on telling me that this one here is going to like totally floor me? Floor you. Shoot it at me, mama. You want me to shoot it at you, mama? Yeah. Okay. This is Christopher. Wait a minute. I had his name. Christopher Daniel Dunce. D-U-N-T-S-C-H. And it's a recent case. Oh, sweet. Yes. So between 2011 to 2013, a little over three dozen patients arrived at hospitals located in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex for their scheduled surgeries. During those two years, 31 out of 38 patients Woke up from their surgery. However, things weren't better for them. Some patients. 31 out of how many? 38. Gee, that's a fucking. Oh, wait a minute. It's a jacked up track record, man. Yeah. Some patients quickly realized they were in excruciating pain. More pain than what one could expect after having surgery. Most of them indicated the pain was worse than they were experiencing before having the procedure. 
Other patients woke up and reported they were feeling an unusual numbness in their limbs. When they were examined further, there was no discernible explanation for the numbness they were experiencing. However, they never reported feeling this sensation prior to having the procedure done. And a few of those patients were in their recovery room when they discovered they had been paralyzed. I'm doing some math in my head. You're talking roughly 85% of the time his patients are worse off than when they came in. Oh, you'll see. And I started thinking to myself, like, it doesn't matter if we're talking the trucking gig or the music industry. If I only got my job right, 85... Yeah, it's not like you're a meteorologist. If I fucked up 85% of the time... Yeah. I wouldn't have a fucking yeah, job. Because meteorology be like, no. is the only profession you can be wrong 90% of the time and nobody cares. Exactly. Well, because honestly, I, I, especially here in the Pacific Northwest. Oh my God, yes. You blink I, and the weather changes. I think that they should honestly just be honest. They should just look, look at it. Look, it could rain. It could snow. It could be 100 degrees. Honestly, we don't fucking know. We just rolled some D&D dice. <laughs> I know. Well, my best friend, she's from Hawaii. She goes, yeah, I used to wake up in the morning and I was surprised when the weatherman didn't say, hey, it's fucking hot again. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so a couple of those patients were paralyzed by the procedure that was meant to alleviate their pain and suffering. However, even worse than that, two of the 38 patients didn't wake up at all. Intern said it's 81.7% of the time that his patients were worse off. Of course he did. Like, no. He's got a point. (laughs) Because I I wasn't going to pick up my phone and do the math on it. But no, seriously, Mm -hmm. think about it. Um, Anybody, okay, let's talk to the few people that work for me. Let's talk to Coffee Goddess. Hey, if you were wrong... At your job, and you fucked up 81.7% of the time. How quick would you be fired? Pretty quick, right? I was going to say, my son recently worked with a woman who had more no-call, no-shows in two weeks than... I have ever seen anybody have in a lifetime. And then she'd bring her old-ass boyfriend in and a lockdown facility, but that's not the point. No, and, no. You know, and they, for the longest time, wouldn't fire her because they need staff. Uh, yeah, that's fucked up because, honestly, I don't need staff that bad. If somebody if somebody even fucked up on their job 20% of the time. I'd yeah, like, once or twice is understandable. Right, because everybody makes mistakes. I make mistakes, yeah. you make mistakes, and no, I understand I don't, that. Bitch, shut up. I'm perfect. But, yeah. Even, Thank you. even if it was 10, 20% of the time they were fucking up on their job, here's your check, man. You, you got to right. go. I don't care how bad I need staff. I don't need it that bad. Yeah. Well, when I've worked in in administration most of my life, crunching numbers and pushing paperwork, if I fucked up that much, I would never have a job. No shit. Because that's people's income. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking about my CPA. Anyway, keep going. (laughs) I'm good. Yeah, no. So since we're featuring this case, I'm sure you can guess these injuries and deaths were the results of one man's actions. One man by the name of Christopher Daniel Dunst, a.k.a. Dr. Death. A lot of people get that, though. Any doctor... Yeah, uh, they're usually during, angels of death or doctor death or whatever. Like, but this dur- guy... During the Nazi regi- uh, regime, yeah. though, every doctor... Mengele. Mengele and all the other doctors uh-huh. that, you know, you could talk about... Y- Shiroichi. Hey, he, he, he was... Uh, his name was Klaus, Klaus Ectenbong or whatever. And they go, oh, doctor death. And yeah. then you go, oh, hey, here's Mengele. That's doctor death. How about Ishii? That's doctor... Come on. Shiroichi. Media, do do us all a favor. Come up with better. Yeah, you come up with better names. names for other serial killers. Come up with, I mean, but then there were the oh, those were the Lane's Angels of Death. Never mind. 
Lay's, like potato Lay's, chips. The the ones you did in um, Hungary or whatever. Oh the yeah, nurses that fucking they did the water treatment or whatever. Yeah, dude, that was a whole new way of killing a patient right there. I love it. I did too because they weren't basic about nothing. No, they were good. Okay, keep going. So that way, there we don't we don't have a ten thousand hour freaking podcast. So, anyways, he committed gross malpractice numerous times. However, it would take nearly two years before Texas Medical Board made the decision to yank his license. (laughs) During that time, did he have a license to kill? You'll find out. Two fucking years. And he's fucking up oh that much? Oh, my God, much? you are going to be so pissed off with Dallas, Fort Worth area in about, oh, I don't know, the next 30 minutes. You are be so livid that you will never go back to Texas. I am never going to go to a doctor in Dallas now because yeah. they allowed it. Dude, two years at 81.57% per, times that he has screwed something up. What the fuck? Dallas, Fort Worth, do us a favor. Y'all... Yeah, Pull speak your... their language, Scott. Y'all need to be pulling your hand out your butt because two years letting him get away with that kind of bullshit, I ought to smack your mama. <laughs> that's a slap your grandma kind of stupid. <laughs> that is. That's a smack your grandma and your mama and a daddy type of stupid. Yeah, well, I just had a mean thought because my mean uncle lives in Texas. It's like, why didn't he go see this doctor when he was having problems? <laughs> ah, sweet. <laughs> Sorry, that wasn't very nice. But... At least I didn't call him out by his name, right? Anyways, so let's take a brief glimpse at his early life. Daniel Do- Christopher Dunst was born on April 3rd, 1971. So around our age. Yeah, it's two, two yeah. years older than me. Yeah, he was born in Montana. Uh, his Donald was his father. He was a Christian missionary as well as a physical therapist. Susan, his mother, was a teacher for the school district. Therefore, it's probably safe to say that he was raised in a middle-class to upper-middle-class family. Okay? Not long after he was born, his family moved to Memphis, Tennessee. They settled, There's the problem. They settled in the Cordova suburb, and Donald and Susan wanted the best for their son, which included making sure he received a quality education. He attended and graduated from Evangelical Christian School. The entire time he was in high school, he was considered a football star. Okay? Kind of like Jack and Diane. Jack, you want to be, oh, a football star? Yeah, I love that song. Yeah, John Millencamp? Yeah, don't ruin it for me. I'm not fucking that one. I'm not making a parody of that one. I actually like John Mellencamp. And the summer of 69. I love that song, too. Yeah, that's uh, that's not Mellencamp, though. That's uh, I know. It's Isn't it? Um, Brian yeah, Adams. Brian Adams. And then Thank what's you. his Daughtry did another version of it, and he actually says we were in a 69. And it's like you have to really listen to catch it, but it's there. <laughs> yeah. I've been there once or twice, but only once or twice because, you know, I'm, I'm angelic and yeah, sweet okay. and innocent. They don't get the porn that I get from you. <laughs> After graduating from high school, he enrolled at Millsaps College with the sole purpose of playing Division Three college football. He would later transfer to Colorado State University so that he can play for a Division One team. Most of his former football teammates later recalled that he was, he was known to train really hard, right? And a lot of really good athletes do train hard. I mean, I trained hard when I was in high school. I was, you know, despite that, he still lacked any real talent for this competitive sport. Which makes you wonder, because, well, then he did go to a private school, so it's not like they had a big 
you know, team or anything. Uh, okay, no, but I, I can kind of see why. Uh, honestly, this is going to be one of my bullshit ones. No, seriously. Go it's ahead. I've, I've seen other guitar players who work hard. Mm-hmm. Like, they're practicing day in, day out. They're learning every scale major and minor, you know, and... Uh, but still, they don't have quite what it takes to cut it professionally. You think it's because they don't have the passion? No, I don't even think it's a passion. I think that different people have different uh, skill sets. For example, like uh, math and music occupying, you use, you use the same part of your brain for both math and music. Right. So if that's not the part of your brain that gets utilized the most, the most by your brain, right, because right. of your skill set, right, then it's, it's in my opinion that you could probably practice 50 hours a day. You know, you just practice, 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 and you're you're not gonna you're not gonna have that competitive edge. Oh yeah. You know, um, but uh, see, you have a you have a unique <laughs> skill set yourself. Oh uh, yeah, and I and yeah, I it's driving practice. me nuts. But you're good <laughs> at it. That's <laughs> funny. No, because I up until just recently, I practiced three, four, five hours a day. You know, sometimes two. Um, I've been kind of slacking off here lately. I was going to say, you have been slacking because you don't really, because used to be during our breaks, you'd pick up the guitar and strum a little bit. Yeah, I'm just. And I'm still mad that I didn't videotape you singing that squatchy song to me. <laughs> but mad. no, it, it just, it might not be in his skill set. Like, I want to, at one point, I wanted to be a figure skater. I know, that still flabbergasts me. Now, for those of you who haven't seen me in life, I'm five, there ten and a half. There is nothing. I was six graceful foot. about you. <laughs> I was I was at one time six foot tall, but I shrank because of a back injury. Um, I'm pushing about 280, 285. Yeah, but you're even, good three bills almost. But in in high school, I was like 200, 210, 220 of pure muscle. And you were know, you lean? And really just bulky. I've always been bulky. I was going to say, because figure skaters aren't really bulky, though. Yeah, I'm built like a brick shithouse. Yeah. And I tried to be a figure skater. I really did. I ice skated and tried and tried and tried and tried. Yeah, I don't... Ice skating men are usually very thin. And very limber. And very and limber. Very, yeah. I don't have a huge amount of muscle mass. So, yeah. no matter how much I tried to be a fucking figure skater... I was never going to, I could play hockey. Yeah, I don't even think, well, and yeah, I think you'd been good at hockey because, I mean, first of all, you can knock out some teeth and that'd be fun for you, but you need the bulk there. Yeah. Whereas figure skating, speed skating, all that other stuff, you need the lithe, you know, graceful movements. Right. Uh, exactly. And to get low. There was no fucking way that I was ever going to become a fucking figure skater. And it wouldn't matter if I trained every day of my yeah. fucking life because it's my natural build. You know, as, as y'all can see here, I've got this, you know, I've got a huge build. Even if I didn't have that on me, I'm naturally. Yeah, you're built like a lineman. Guy. Yeah, I'm, I'm built like a linebacker. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so Defensive. it might be it might be the same way. I mean, it just might not have been in his skill set. Refrigerator Alexander. Yeah. Except that I eat out of the refrigerator a lot. You do. Midnight snacking. But no, and it's true. I mean. Because I knew, even when I was in high school and very athletic, I knew I'd never be the fastest person on the field. But you know what? I had a different skill set where I was strong as fuck because I lifted weights like nobody's business. That doesn't surprise me. So I fucking chucked a discus and shot put like, you know. I know how you learned that. I could have chucked you. You were throwing boulders up at Mount Hood, being all Sasquatchy. Then how did that get me on the record books at Storm Lake, Iowa? There is no forest there. Because you were transplanted there, and then you got away, and you that's went. That's true. Back, I did escape. You went back up to Mount Hood, and that's where I found you and shot you with two tranquilizer darts. My escape from Iowa was epic. No. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, <laughs> no, where was I? I lost where I was. In turn, 
Oh, anyways, um, he eventually moved back to Memphis and enrolled at Memphis State University, which is now called University of Memphis. And some of the reports I read indicated that he chose to return home because he was homesick. I, on the other hand, think there might have been a different reason. Seriously, I know exactly why he went back to Memphis. Hear me out before you judge. Got it, Scott? Love it when I pull your lines? Yeah, I'm losing it. Okay, think about this. He was considered a star football player while he was in high school, right? Then, when he plays college football, his teammates say he lacked the talent necessary to play. Therefore, I believe he returned to Memphis, the last place people looked at him as if he were a hero. Very much, yeah. I I can't deny that. Because after you read his story, I seriously believe he didn't have a hero complex so much, but had like worse than a Doctor Strange type ego. Well, yeah, he wanted to relive those glory days, you know? And that was he apparent- wanted to be a star. Yeah, it, it was his passion to be a football star, but at obviously one point you're going to be a little jealous of him. He doesn't have the or skill set. Him. He doesn't have the skill set to do what he wants. Yeah, he didn't have the skill set to be a doctor either. But I'll get into Apparently that. Apparently, with that fucking failure rate, know, Jesus right? Christ, man. So, since his future in football was bleak, he made the decision to pursue a medical career. In 1995, he managed to obtain an undergraduate degree. After that, he entered the highly ambitious MD-PhD program, and it took him approximately 15 years, but in 2010, he was on a career trajectory, okay? Which people who know the medical industry, if you want to be serious or specialize in a specific field of medicine, it takes that long, Yeah, if yeah, not yeah. longer. So, because my, my son or somebody I was talking to said, 15 years, I said, that's nothing <laughs> when it comes to that field. Nothing. So, during that time, he completed, he had done said completed the MD-PhD program, and then he went on to the University of Tennessee, University of Tennessee Health Science Center to complete his residency in neurosurgery. Oh, so he's going to be a neurologist. Holy right. shit. After that, a, no, not a neurologist, a neurosurgeon. Neurosur- a that's what I meant. Yeah. Sorry, neurosurgeon. Yeah. After that's a, that. That's a cream of the crop there. Yeah. That is like fucking. That's brain surgery. That, that's is, what the fuck that, that is. is literally. It's not like they don't, they don't, you know, they don't say it's not like it's brain surgery. His was literally brain surgery. Yeah, it's fucking brain or surgery. Or nerves. Yeah. Nervous system. After that, he went to the. Uh, Sims Murphy Clinic located in Memphis, so they can complete his spine fellowship. Okay, so that way he could operate on the spinal column. Right. Okay. Under some under normal circumstances, doctors who are in neurosurgery residency program must participate in more than one thousand surgeries before they can complete the program. Okay. Dunce managed to complete the residency program, only participating in less than one hundred of those operations. How? I do not know. Because requirements are requirements. Like, yeah, it's it's like when a teenager gets a driver's license. They have to have so many hours driving before they can get a license. Well, it's the same in almost any profession. Like even with musicians, you have to work so many music projects before you achieve the next level. You know what I mean? Oh, before from, you can get from your, beginner to, your mood card. <laughs> the mood card. The mood. You, you, you have to have the mood card before you ever go into a oh. studio. But, um, you know, you go from basically beginner level okay so you're you're low on the on the roster to kind of intermediate to master level based on your skill level education what you can and can't do and things like that Mm -hmm. and i can't imagine going in like working only 100 studio jobs and going guess what i'm a master at working in the studio that's stupid exactly i'm a sought after neurosurgeon yeah and i'm not even fucking working on anybody's nerves yeah exactly i just grade on them i just get on their nerves i don't work on them 
Okay, now sometime during his fourth year in the program, in the residency program, his superiors had a suspicion that he had operated on a patient while he was high on cocaine. Rather than kicking him out of the program... They gave him more cocaine? Completely. No. I'm going back to school. He was required to enter a program that caters to impaired physicians. He stayed in that program for several months, and then when he was released, they allowed him to return to the residency program. With a bag of cocaine? Probably. Sweet. I'm I mean, gonna... after you read the rest, hear the rest of the story, probably. Think I'm, think I'm changing my profession. They probably handed him the cocaine and said, here you go, just don't get caught. You can do cocaine, but here's a letter of recommendation. Don't do it here. You just don't even know. Because we hear that time and time again. Every time that a doctor ends up killing somebody. Okay, look, you, oh. we, we know you're killing people. I'm not going to say anything. Just don't do it here. Here's a letter yeah, of recommendation. Yeah, you would think that would change after Cullen. You would think. At least. But hang on a minute. Oh, but wait, there's more. There's more. Okay, many of Dunn's friends reported that he would go out partying, doing drugs all night, and then go to work the very next morning. And they recall how he was obviously still high, and he was a surgeon. Even his, some of his friends say they would never want him to operate on them. Now, that's saying a lot. Holy that shit. That is saying, dude, you're fucked up. Don't go see him. <laughs> fucked up. You know? God damn. Yeah. After he completed his spine fellowship, he met a woman by the name of Wendy Renee Young. You're going to love him for this part. And the two soon started a long-term relationship. It didn't take Wendy long to feel as if she had truly met her, quote, Prince Charming. After all, the neurosurgeon, who was highly sought after, promised her he would be successful. With his success, he told her they would have an extravagant life together. However, in the end, Wendy's fairy tale wouldn't have the happy ending she pictured. In the beginning, Dunce and Wendy talk about getting married early on. When it comes to her relationship with the doctor, she said, I left with him and believed in him. And then, you know, he just kind of fell apart. Dunstan and Wendy were known to have a very volatile arguments. For instance, they had only been a, a couple for a few months when she discovered she was pregnant. When she told her Prince Charming he was going to be a father, the man was less than thrilled. The two got into a heated argument before he stormed out of the house and he screamed at her saying, if I'm being honest, the best thing you could probably do is the best thing you could probably do is abort that fucking baby because you are not the type of person who can raise it. But I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Just I can't a little. blame him. I don't like kids either. I understand that. But um, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, Jake, we already knew. <laughs> um, anyways, in 2011. Dunce went to the beauty shop. It's a bar located in Memphis. Where so he you'd be saw, beautiful. Yeah, where he saw Wendy for the first time. He decided he wanted to get to know the woman, so he bought her an apple teeny, and oh the two God. struck up a conversation and clicked right away. I'm sorry, if I see a man purchasing an apple teeny, he better have a woman standing right next to him, because even the thought of him carrying it to the woman makes me look at him and go, really, dude? You need yeah. a fucking manicure <laughs> and a facial. <laughs> okay, let me get this right. He's at a place called The Beauty Shop. Yes. And he bought an Appletini. Yes. Um, I think Christopher's real name is Christine. Christina. Yeah. And I don't think he, I think he has a mangina. That's just me. He probably does. Oh, I was get... gonna, you weren't here when I first pulled in today. I was, I was at my brother's house and I forgot my deodorant, so I smell like man. I, oh, I, I smell like a man. About, I said mangina, and I, you said I, I, I wasn't t- Well, because I lifted up my arm to do my hair, and I go, why do I smell Old Spice? <laughs> yeah. Well, 
I smell like a man. You're kind of old. That's not spice. That's fermentation. And then that's why she walked out. That's why she stabbed me. Yeah. You know it's coming. So. <laughs> I Let's know see. it's breathing hard. Um, Wendy talked about the time that time with Dunt saying he was friendly and we had a good conversation. It's hard to find a good conversation with a random person. We talked about marriage pretty quickly. We moved in together within three months and I became pregnant. Now, when Dunce met Wendy, he was 40 years old already. She was only 27 years old and was working in Memphis clubs as a stripper. Dude, Christopher, you know what? I totally respect you now. I told you. You you kill as many people as you want. I don't care, man. I don't care. You're 40 and dating a stripper. Goddamn right, brother. High five. You know what? Honestly, I want a pretty girl, too. I want to fist bump you over that. Like, seriously, like fist bump that shit, brother. Yeah. I'm sure when she found out he was receiving offers from medical centers in San Diego, New York, and Dallas, she was impressed with him, was as impressed with him as the facilities where it were in the neurosurgeon's resume. Okay? During that conversation, Dunst found out that Wendy had family living in the Dallas area. So when she offered to move with him wherever he went, he chose to accept a position in Baylor and Dallas, Plano, all that area. Apparently, she chose to... Assume a position too. That's how that pregnancy thing happens. I'm no doctor. Did she assume a magna cum laude? She she assumed a magna cum loudly, baby. <laughs> oh yes, Chris, give it to me, neuro neurosurgeon style. You. <laughs> Are disgusting. During their conversation, Dunst found out. Oh, I already read that. The offer Dunst received was pretty substantial. Just for signing the agreement, he was given a six hundred thousand dollars sign advance. Since he and Wendy were having to look for a house to live in around Plano, Texas, the facility also paid for them to be housed in a luxury hotel suite temporarily until they Holy could find shit. a place. Yeah, no shit, yo. Now, while Dunst was telling Wendy he wanted to marry her. It didn't take long after their move to Texas for him to start stepping out on their relationship. As a matter of fact, when he opened his new practice, he hired a nurse practitioner by the name of Kimberly Morgan. Kimberly had only been working for Dunst less than one month before they started sleeping with each other. This is probably why he, was not, he wasn't thrilled a couple of months later when Wendy told him she was pregnant. Now, I hate, I don't even know why I picked these Dunst's office manager, a lady by the name of B.J. Ellison. That is awesome. No. I know what it stands for. Probably Barbara Jean, Barbie, Bobby Joe. Bobby Joe, of course. I dated a chick named B.J. I know you did. Except her name was Blowjob. But anyway, go ahead. You're disgusting. Um, she said that almost as soon as Kimberly met the handsome doctor, she was smitten with him. Ellison said, she said the... Th- she thought she was going to make, he was going to make millions. He was smart. He was brilliant. He was a genius. Apparently, when Kimberly began sleeping with her boss, she felt as if she had, quote, found the one. It's like two women now think that he's their Prince Charming. Damn, Chris. You're a stud, buddy. Dude, he's a player player. Kind of like him. Kind of like him. Don't hate the player. Hate the game. Goddamn right, man. Okay. Yes, Kimberly knew that Dunst and Wendy were living together. However, he told her that Wendy was his married secretary who was staying with him until her husband could relocate to the area, and Kimberly believed him. When it came to Wendy, Dunst told her that Kimberly was his platonic assistant and that he and Kimberly weren't romantic in any way, and he loved her so much. 
He continued to string both women along for some time. Why not tell them both about each other and have a threesome? I mean, sharing is caring. I mean, what's the worst they're going to do? Say no? Yeah, exactly. Hey, Walk look, out man. on him? You both are really hot. I'm just thinking. <laughs> we could be cheerleaders. Let's go for the tower. <laughs> you sit here. Let me clear out for a place to sit. How about the pyramid? The pyramid. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I used to watch competitive cheerleading. Um, let's see. Dunst and Kimberly actually ended their relationship shortly after he left Baylor Medical Center, located in Plano. But I'll talk about that in a minute. However, in April of 2012, she wound up getting a restraining order against him. Um, According to Kimberly's report to the authorities, she felt the need to get a protection order after a specific incident. Apparently, he arrived at her place at 2 a.m., and when she didn't let him in, he proceeded to bang on her windows to get her to change her mind. Yeah, that's going to make me say, come on in, buddy. Yeah, why not? I mean, you know, know a little aggression. That's always worked for me with some of my stalkers when they're pounding on the door. Much less the windows. No, let me in. We need to talk about this. Um, yeah, sure. Let me do that because I'm pretty sure that you've got a butcher's knife on you. And I'm going <laughs> to die. But that's a great idea because you're yeah. not violent let at all. Let me unlock my door right now. <laughs> yeah. Let me turn my back on you with this, you know, put this bullseye target on my back. Yeah. When it comes to Dunstan Wendy, they actually stayed together until 2014. And by the time she chose to leave him, they had two sons together. Okay. Now. For a doctor, he hasn't figured out how that shit happens, has he? No, he is a ner- He is a spine doctor. Yeah, but you would think that they would have taught him that in medical school. Like, well, hey, he didn't apparently get a whole lot of training. He only did a hundred surgery, less than a hundred surgeries. If you put port A into hole B, <laughs> yeah, that's basic technology. <laughs> You're gonna see. You that need you to have put children. your female port over here and insert the male drive. Never mind. Then you'll see that you have children. Yeah. That's an ABZ. Yeah. Um, let's see. Shortly after Dunn's completed his MD-PhD program, he actually chose to focus the bulk of his attention on the PhD portion of his degree. Um, he, he was a contributing author on numerous medical papers, and he also helped develop several patents, and he invested in quite a few biotech startups, which is actually kind of smart. Yeah, right. Diversify your money. Yeah. Even though Dunst let, led Wendy to believe otherwise, by the time the two of them met, though, he was already more than $500,000 in debt. Uh, that's why he idiot. chose to enter the pro- promising lucrative field of neurosurgery. Um, I also found out some other interesting information about him around the time he met the mother of his children. Rather than medical facilities fighting over which position he should choose, he is the one that reached out to all of those facilities and was trying to get hired on. So he wasn't, like, being sought after at all. As a matter of fact, on paper, Dunst was more than qualified for his chosen practice. After all, he had pursued his medical training, including medical school, residency, and fellowship for 15 years. As it turns out, once Dunst had typed it up, his curriculum vitae would be, would wound up being 12 pages, single-spaced. Holy shit. Yeah. Now, I know some people are wondering what that term means. A curriculum vitae is the Latin phrase for course of life. Essentially, it's a brief written or typed summarization of an individual's education, job qualifications, and previous employment. In North American English only, nowhere else, we more frequently refer to it as a resume. Yeah. You know, I didn't know what it I was like, what the fuck is that? Why can't they just say resume? <laughs> because somebody, who, whoever uh, you, you got that word from, wanted to pretend like they have a vocabulary. 
Well, now I do too. <laughs> look, if I don't know what a word means, I will look it up and find a way to use it all the time. First thing I put it into is Pornhub. Curriculum vitae? Yeah, that's the first place I put everything because if it comes up with something weird, I'm like, oh, now I want to research this. Oh my God, you're a dork. <laughs> Um, on his resume, he said that he had studied at St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. Not only that, he claims that he graduated magna cum laude with a myo- microbiology doctorate. Magna cum laude, baby. However, during the time frame that Dunst said he attended the program, St. Jude's didn't even offer it to their students. So he, like, made it all up. Yeah. He signed on to work at Baylor Regional Medical Center, located in Plano, Texas, and that facility is now called Baylor Scott and White. Oh, my God. It's named after you. (laughs) Big White Scott. (laughs) Baylor Scott and White Medical Center, Plano. He was hired as one of the minimally invasive spine surgeons. He agreed to the terms of the $600,000 per year salary plus bonuses, and that was on top of the $600,000 advance he received for signing the agreement. Now, once Dunst arrived at Baylor Plano, it didn't take him long to make an impression. Too bad his colleagues, or at least the other surgeons, thought very poorly of him. The vascular surgeon, a guy by the name of Dr. Randall Kirby, was a veteran at the facility. So he'd been there quite a while, right? He's seen things. Horrible neurosurgeon things. Yeah, he's a vascular surgeon, but okay. Oh, vascular surgeon things then. Excuse me. Damn, that was a grunt. No, it was a burp. I'm I having think the Sasquatch is grunted. I don't burp in front of you very often. I'm feeling bad. Hang I on. would too for being so mean to me. Shut up, bitch. See? <laughs> no, I'm having a heartburn. I don't know why. Do you need some Tums or some shit? No, I have some Omeprazole in the car. I'll... No, I didn't. I left it at my brother's. Never mind. He remembers how Dunst often expounded about how skilled he was in his career. And the reason why this was so surprising to Dr. Kirby is that the neurosurgeon had only been in that area for a short time. And when it came to Dunst's operating room techniques, Dr. Kirby said, quote, he could not wield a scalpel. Scalpel. That leaves me wondering how he even made it past residency, let alone a fellowship program. You know, because that's a very competitive, very regimented program. Right. It's like surgeons and sushi chefs. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's comparable. <laughs> Just fucking with you. Dumbass. Oh, we beat you a long time. Mm, Scott, I tell you, I smell like a man. <laughs> you remember Mad TV, Miss Swan? I love her. No, I think when I was watching I, Mad TV, I tell I, you, he lo- I tell you everything. He look a, he looking like a man. Jesus He's, she's fun. I love that character. That sounds racist. It is not. Racist. Maybe it was a little. Okay. Um, that's say here. There were numerous surgeries that Dunst performed that left his patients seriously injured. Here's an example of what happened to some of the individuals who went to the doctor to get better. Kenneth Fennell was Dunst's very, sur- very first surgical patient, very first one, at Baylor Plano. Okay, he didn't even, right out the gate. He went in to have back surgery. <laughs> and when he woke up in the recovery room, he was even in even more pain. As a matter of fact, he suffers from chronic pain to this day because the doctor didn't operate on the correct portion of his back. Good going, Chris. You're a dipshit. Dude, when I go in for my ortho surgeries... 
my my anesthesiologist won't even give me Versed, which I have to have before I go into an operating room. It's mandatory. It's on my contract. My terms are my terms. <laughs> You're going to use that forever because I, I was arguing I with am. that producer. That's but great. my whole thing is I have to have Versed before I go into an argument because I have a lot of anxiety into, into an, an operating room. Shut up. And so I have to have a lot of Versed before they can take me in there because I have panicked before. And before they will even give it to me, my doctor has to come in and write on the body part he's going to operate on. Has to sign his name. I've done that to a few chicks. Scott was here. No, he like literally comes in, signs the area, writes left shoulder, whatever. It's just really weird. But Then he does a hokey pokey. Shut up, dude. You do the left so shoulder in. I'm going to hit you. Left shoulder out. When his pain became debilitating, he went to have a second surgery. This one was also performed by Dr. Dunst, which I wouldn't have done. After this surgery, Kenneth became paralyzed in both of his legs. He went through rehabilitation for several months in order to learn how to walk again, but he still has to use a cane. However, he cannot walk further than 30 feet at a time, nor can he stand longer than a couple minutes before he has to sit down. He's a fucking idiot. You deserve that, Kenneth. And let me tell you why. Well, yeah, you know the doctor already performed surgery on the wrong area, so you're going to let him go back in? Let's say I took my, my truck to a mechanic. Okay. And for an oil change. Let's just go with an oil change. Pretty simple procedure, right? Mm-hmm. And I drive it out of there, and he forgot to put the oil plug in there, and it yeah. dynamites my motor. Has happened to me. I, number one, I'm going to sue him, mm-hmm. which you should have sued Christopher in the hospital. But two, I'm never bringing a vehicle to him ever again. Yeah. Like, I won't even bring him like, hey, can you work on my moped? No. Yeah. No, you can, can, you cha- can you grease up my spokes on my 10-speed? No. No, no, no. You can't grease the chain or nothing. Why? Because you were too stupid to put a fucking oil plug in. Yeah. I can't imagine letting somebody cut me open mm-hmm. and then going, huh, you know what a great idea is? I'm going to go bring dig it, it around near your nerves. Yeah. yeah. Dig it with my nerves again. Now, but what's the worst that can happen? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Fucking Christ. Wise up, people. Fuck. Yeah. Now, Lee Passmore was a medical investigator for Collin County. Excuse me, dang it. Dunst performed his spinal surgery, and when he woke up, he too wound up with severe chronic pain, more than before the procedure. During the surgery, the doctor ended up severing a ligament that typically isn't even touched during a procedure he performed. Mm, I see that he's a great doctor, like he said. That's bang up work there, dude. Bang up. Yeah, wait, it gets better. It was later d- d- discovered that Lee had ectopic or misplaced hardware where the surgery was performed. For instance, Dunst had to place a screw, had to place a screw that was used to keep the plate in place, you know, like I have in my ankle. However, he placed this screw in the wrong location. And to top it off, when he inserted the screw, he managed to strip the threads. So the screw can never be removed at all. Even though the threads of the screw were stripped, Lee still wouldn't be able to have it removed. Even if they weren't stripped, he wouldn't be able to have it removed because the screw is in an area that should another surgeon try to remove it, the man would bleed out on the table. How does one do that? (laughs) That's a special kind of stupid. That's what that is. That is more than a special kind of stupid. That's a Lucas and Tool stupid. Yeah, no kidding, man. Hey, Christopher, we got some uh, serial killers. You are the Lucas and Tool of the medical field. We want to introduce you to two great people that are right up your alley with the same IQ. Oh, you know, you might meet them in hell, but, you know. (laughs) 
Although, if I had my way, Tool would be in heaven with me so I could laugh. <laughs> I wish that they were still alive. I keep on saying that, man. I know. Like, seriously, I would visit them. I know, right? Bring them flowers. It'd be great. Yeah. Now, Dr. Mark Hoyle was the vascular, vascular surgeon assisting Dunst that day in the operating room, and he said that during the surgery, there was a considerable amount of bleeding. However, Dunst didn't even act like he noticed it was happening. Hey, can somebody give me some duct tape? This one's uh, kind of bleeding a lot. Hang on a sec. Intern, can you give me some water, please? Thank you. Sorry about that, people. Um, now, let's see. However, Dunst didn't even... Oh, I said that. At one point during the procedure, Dr. Hoyle was so upset by the way his colleague was behaving that he felt the need to physically restrain the man. He even looked Dunst in the eye and told him that he was a danger to all of his patients. Dr. Hoyle soon began to wonder about the man's sanity. Okay? Now, Barry Margloff was a local businessman who owned a pool servicing company. Dunst performed Barry's discectomy, which I've had two of. They're very routine procedures. What is a discectomy? It's where uh, they remove the... Uh, so it's just like a, a slip disc or whatever. Oh, so it's just spine. exactly like it sounds. Yeah, pretty okay. much. Yeah, it's removal of a disc. Um... When so, yeah, performed his discectomy when he had a damaged disc. After the surgery, he found out that a spinal canal now contained bone fragments. Apparently, when Dunst pulled the disc out, he used a grabbing tool rather than the proper instrument. Thank you, coffee goddess. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I bet you he shopped for his well, instruments see, at Harbor Freight or something. Uh, well, see, and my whole thing is, is I've had two discectomies. The first time... It was so bad that my disc basically exploded, the doctor said. It didn't just slip. It, like, ruptured. Oh, shit. And so he had to clean it all out and everything. And after that surgery, I felt amazing. Like, less back pain than I had, before, you know, from before I was pregnant. And then, um, then a couple months later, unfortunately, that same disc, what little disc I had left, slipped again. And because of the scar tissue, it couldn't go back in because your disc slip in and out all the time. Yeah. Um, but when it ruptured, it, when it slipped again, it got caught on the scar tissue and couldn't go back in. So when the doctor went in to do the surgery, it was pressed up against my nerve in my L5-S1 area. And so he had to remove the mass before he could move the nerve to clean it out. So that's why I had the nerve damage. But it's nothing he could have done to prevent it. Okay, no, it makes sense. You understand yeah. what I mean? But my doctor wasn't in there using vice grips to pull out a fucking cartilage disc either. Please, come on. He was just trying to save the hospital some money. You know what? I, go down to the I bet store. this dude was using needle nose pliers and... Hey, yeah. don't judge him. Needle nose pliers work and for duct almost tape. everything. Yeah, God dang right. A little <laughs> bit of bailing wire and some Bondo. That's all you need. You can fix any car. Mm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a, maybe a welding torch. You yeah. Need that too. So then after the procedure, when Barry was in severe pain, I mean like severe, couldn't hardly walk pain, Dunst absolutely refused to prescribe him any pain medication. He said he wouldn't provide them because Barry was nothing but a drug seeker. And it got to a point where he left, when the left side of Barry's body completely stopped functioning. When this happened, he became wheelchair bound. Dr. Kirby was assisting in that surgery, and he said Dunst had to be shown the correct part of the patient's anatomy several times. 
Even then, he continued to make mistake after mistake during the procedure. Barry went to Dunst for his scheduled post-surgery follow-up appointment. During the visit, he noticed that the doctor was obviously under the influence of something, and he realized his doctor was inebriated. He got up and walked the fuck out of the room. Okay, once again, this business owner, dude, Barry, you're, you're an idiot. Because you want to know what happened? If I, if I was in his shoes, they'd, about a year later, they'd be, hey, Scott, what are part of your assets? Oh, that's easy. This hospital, everything this doctor yeah. owns. Well, well, and just, I mean, yeah, it just, I'm just like floored. And this is recent. That's why it's flooring me. Like, when did this happen? Because um, I know that he. This he, was in, ni- in, no, wait, in 2012. Is okay. when all this was happening. So he's still with Wendy then, because they separated in yeah, 2014. Yeah, this is when he first got to Texas. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. God damn. Yeah. Fuck. Tell me about it, Stud. Oh, that's from <laughs> Greece, by the way. Um. Now, then there's Jerry Summers. He went in for a vertebrae fusion. He had been friends with Dunst for some time. Therefore, when he needed to have verte- to have his the vertebrae in his neck fused, he had his friend perform the procedure. When Jerry woke up in the recovery room, he was horrified to discover he was now a quadriplegic. The anesthesiologist who was present during the surgery said that during the surgery, Der- Jerry had lost nearly 1,200 milliliters of blood. That is at least one-fifth of a person's total blood volume. Not to mention that amount of blood is nearly 24 times the amount an individual typically loses when they have that procedure because there's very little blood loss in back surgery. In other words, when someone is getting their vertebrae fused, they typically only lose 50 milliliters of blood. Holy shit. And he lost 1,200. Bang up job again, Chris. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about right there. It's like, you know, because I know for, especially with minimally invasive surgery, there's very little blood loss. Um, some hospital staff members and the nurses who were present during the surgery thought Jerry would have a second procedure to, would have a second procedure to correct the problem. However, Dunce flat out refused to let it happen. Yeah. Later, when Jerry was asked, he said that he, the night before he had the surgical procedure, he and Dunst both stayed out all night using cocaine. When the hospital administration ordered Dunst to take a blood test, it actually came back negative. Despite the negative results, hospital officials put him on at paid administrative leave while they performed a peer review. At some point, even though he was on administrative leave, he was allowed to continue providing surgeries They just asked him to limit his surgeries to minor procedures until they could reach a decision. Now, sometime later, Jerry did withdraw his statement about him using cocaine with his doctor. And he said he did say he lied about the whole thing and that he lied about it when he got upset when his friend refused to check in on him. Either way, he spent the rest of his life without the use of his limbs. And sometime in 2021, he developed complications related to the bot surgery and came down with an infection, which was the cause of his death. Now, I believe he probably withdrew the statement because if he ever did want to sue, having him say that we were both high on cocaine would not have helped him win his case at all. <laughs> no. I'm just saying, because I have no doubt believing this man was high. <laughs> now. Kelly Martin went in for routine back surgery. Um, During the procedure, she began suffering from a significant arterial injury, and there are obvious signs that Kelly had started to lose an enormous amount of blood. Despite that, Dunce kept performing the surgery, didn't abort it. Yeah, oh well, all this blood loss, no big deal. 
get a shot back. When the anesthesiologist, as well as the trauma surgeon in the room, pointed out the extent of blood loss, he ignored them, just flat out refused to acknowledge them. By his refusal to realize that something was going wrong, it prevented the ICU team at the hospital from providing her with life-saving measures. After the procedure, she was transferred to the ICU. When she awoke from the anesthesia, she started to scream as she kept clawing at her legs because something was obviously bothering her, right? Right. Yeah, because you don't wake up from anesthesia just in panic like that. She was in such a fit of hysterics that the ICU staff had to re-anesthetize her to calm her down. Jesus Christ, yeah. man. The entire time she was going through her ordeal, Dunst stayed in the waiting room. He was out there writing up his notes on the procedure. He didn't even bother to go in to check on her. When Kelly suffered from a hemorrhagic cardiac arrest, he still didn't bother to check on her. In the end, she died as a result of the surgery by bleeding out. You know, I wish you wouldn't have done this one. And let me tell you why. Why do you need to have brain surgery? They've been bugging me to get my left knee replaced since I was in my 20s. Because I've, sh- I've shattered my left knee like Yeah, I would recommend you go to times. my doctor, but he doesn't do knee replacements. And now you're telling me this shit, like routine surgeries and stuff like that. And I'm terrified. And Okay, quick story, and then I'll fucking, we can get back on track. So the guy who was going to do my surgery was a friend of mine. I haven't talked to him for years, but his name was John Stady. And uh, so... Uh, I'm so shocked you have friends, but go ahead. It's amazing. Yeah, we used to watch boxing together all day. Matter of fact, I was watching the Tyson fight when Tyson bit off Holofield's when Holy ear. When he bit, when he... Tyson yeah. his ear? Yeah, uh, with, with John and wow. a friend of ours named Roger. So we're, we're talking about it and everything like that. And he goes, Roger, Roger. He goes, okay, Scott. So I get scheduled for the surgery. Okay. I have to be, it's, uh, it was on a Monday. And I remember it was like, I started watching Discovery Channel or something like that. It was like a Wednesday, Thursday, something like that. And they have a knee surgery. Uh, cool. This is what my friend's going to do to me. So what they do is they cut you in like a C shape like that and they flap it over. That didn't bother me. They cut away all the tendons and ligaments. That didn't bother me. He pulls out a hammer and chisel, much like carving marble, and it's not tap, tap, tap. This motherfucker's like, wham, because they have to break the knee out. And about that point there, white as a ghost. I'm on the phone with John. I'm on the phone with John at his house. John. Uh, no, I'm watching this. You don't, you won't even feel it. So you have to be in the hospital Monday. No, John, you got to be there. I don't. My fat ass isn't going to be there because no, because fuck no. <laughs> and it's been hurting more and more. And now I'm like, fuck, I need to have a dumb. Now I'm fucking terrified. I, I might just, I, I might just walk with a fucking walker for the rest of my life or Dude, something. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. See, and I'm really glad I had a C-section because I had watched a lot of natural labor births before my son was born, and that terrified me. Because I'm like, how the hell something that big going to come out of something this small? Yeah. I don't get it. Jake just walked right out when he I was know born. we've talked about that. I don't need to know. He was riding a motorcycle twirling a cane. Yeah. Well, I don't have my glasses on, so hang on. i got to pull my hair up. <laughs> why? You meeting a customer? No, it's getting in my way. <laughs> That's why. I okay. have a big hairy head. Yes. Yes, you do. I was going to say I have a hairy bush, but no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I That's know. more than I needed. Jesus fucking Christ. Well, no, because I have a, well, it's not as thick as it used to be, but I still have a lot of hair and it's very like, I don't know, poofy. It just frizzes all the time. I hate living out here sometimes. Okay, so let's see here. Now, then, 
the hospital reacts now to this, right? By the time the hospital officials completed Dunt's peer review, they determined that he had, quote, failed to meet their standards of care. As a result, his surgical privileges at the facility were permanently revoked. At that time, they decided to conduct another peer review on the doctor, but he resigned before it was complete. He didn't want a termination on his employment record. Now, since the hospital didn't want to spend the money to fight a wrongful term... Oh, you need to listen to this, Mr. Put Your Phone Away. I'm listening. No, seriously, listen. Anyways, since the hospital didn't want to spend the money to fight a wrongful termination lawsuit that they might or might not be able to win, they compromise with Dunst and his attorneys. Check no. this out. Wait. This agreement stipulated that he could resign from his position at the hospital. In return, they would provide him with a letter that stated they had no issues with him and they would not. Um, and the sad part is that the hospital would they would have been required by law to report him if they had fired him would have been required by law to report him in his actions to the National Practitioner Database MPDB MPDB. And this database is designed for the sole purposes of identifying and flagging physicians that have post problems to patients. But since he resigned, they didn't have to. This was a Baylor? I yeah, I would have done it anyways. Okay. You know what, motherfuckers? You can sue me if you want. Baylor, fuck you. Fuck all of you right in the yeah. fucking ear. And let me tell you why. God damn it. We've gone through this with goddamn Colin, Shipman, Norris. On down the fucking yeah. list. Harvey, fucking Wetlawfer, fucking Kalefi, fucking. When are you stupid yeah. motherfuckers going to wake up, pull your fucking heads out of your ass, yeah. and quit doing this shit? You're endangering people. Yeah. You know? Hogle, all of them. Jesus fucking. Yeah, because not only did time. they fucking. Not step in in the beginning. I mean, when his very first motherfucking surgery fucked up. On something that shouldn't have been fucked up. Well, that and the time and time again, you'd you'd mentioned it was a non-invasive surgery. Yeah. You know, uh, with the with the uh, his friend in the uh, the the fusion. Oh yeah, the quadriplegic. Yeah. And makes him quadriplegic. Shit like this has happened. Oh, and it's back to fucking all the rest okay, of them. No. Okay, we know that you're bad at your job and might kill somebody. Now you're making people paralyzed. Man, just don't do it here. Yeah, pretty much. It's Jesus. like. It's like you are in the medical industry. Not only did you not protect your patients while he was there, but you're not protecting any other patients where he goes. I'm going to be honest. I hope that all of your patients there, Baylor, fucking see you guys and shut you down for billions of dollars. Yeah, because don't get me wrong. Every, every, every medical procedure has risks. Every single one of them. Going to the dentist has risks. You can go in and get a tooth pulled, and there is a risk. Yeah. But... When I had all mine pulled, because, you know, it's no right, secret right, that right. I wear a, two full plates, you have to sign a waiver that oh, says, yeah. hey, there's risk. There could be bone fragments that are left. Mm-hmm. There's things that basically, when, when you think about it, there's things that they can't prevent. Right. And in capital letters, on every single form, or may cause death. Yeah. <laughs> I said, don't ever show that to me. Yeah. Well, because, you know, but you know, at the desk, they're probably not going to kill exactly. you. Exactly. And... It's, it's the protective, and I understand that. That's, that's fine. Yes. But when you have somebody who's purposefully bad at their job. And willfully ignoring their colleagues who are trying to help them and operating on the wrong motherfucking <laughs> part of the body. I'm, I, I, I'll tell you, man. If I had somebody working for me, let's say that they're doing um, sound. Mm-hmm. Okay, they're, they're installing brand new sound boards and, 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 or fiber optics. 
if they were installing them incorrectly more than like consecutively, like yeah, like leaving first... live wires in an open bathroom. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's well, what I look. That's yeah. what I'm picturing. Right, like mm-hmm. if, if something gets fucked up one time, then generally I'll go. Okay, yeah, hey, dude, come here. Just don't don't do this shit again. Yeah, just you make know. sure you go over your checklist. And yeah, just, yeah. That, that's why we have these rules in place and why we have checklists. Just make sure you do it right. But if it happens a second time, like right, like okay, no problem, boss. And then goes and installs another one, and it happens again. I'm like, dude, you don't work here anymore. Yeah, you didn't fucking listen. Can I get a letter of recommendation? No, you can get a letter. Get the fuck out of my office. Yeah, that's what the fuck you get. Here's your check. Hit the road. Yeah. You know, fuck off, man. And they're not even dealing with people's lives working for me. But this motherfucker yeah. is paralyzing people, and people are fucking dying. Yeah. And here's Baylor. Yeah. And yeah, at that eighty-one point seven five percent fucking, uh, huh, five seven percent fail rate. And there's, hey, um, okay, we're afraid that we're going to get sued. So here's a letter of recommendation. Just go on, you little scamp. Oh, my God. God why are people so fucking stupid? I'm I sorry. don't know. I'm no, sorry to our listeners. No. This is my pet peeve of the world. No, and he's not, like I said, stupidity. he's not mad at anybody. At, well, not that's listening to us, hopefully. But it's, I understand your frustration, though. I totally God. understand it because this is why people don't go to the fucking doctor. No shit. You know? And here's what gets me the most. Neurosurgeons make an ass ton of money. A shit ton of money. So if I had to... That's like probably one of the highest paid medical positions there is in the world. If I had to go in and get any kind of neurosurgery done, let's say on the nerves of my back that I've destroyed. Right. You know, I would like to think that this motherfucker knows his shit. Yeah. And now I'm sitting there going, you make the most, so you're supposed to be the best of the best. What about... General practitioners. Now, I'm afraid for somebody to even give me a shot now because I'm looking at this motherfucker and go, I'm pretty sure the phlebotomist isn't making a half a million dollars a year. Yeah. Fairly sure. And, you know, yeah. does she really care about taking my... I got big enough veins, don't I? Yeah. Right here, sweetheart. Right here. Trust me. I can show you where the vein is. All right? Let's just make sure you're Dude, doing your this shit right. your veins are so big, I could throw it from across the room with my eyes shut and hit a vein. I told you that story, right, about the phlebotomist yeah. and her first day? Yes. Yeah. Want to use that uh, butterfly one? I mean, no, sweetheart. Put that fucker away. Get yeah. The, you don't need it. You need a 10-gauge needle. That's what the hell you need. Let's, let's get this shit done, because I don't want to be here all day. Yeah. No. Cause, well, never- and I have rolling veins that are hard to find, and there's this one little Vietnamese phlebotomist. She doesn't work there anymore, but she used to be able to come in. She goes, I got you. And then she'd come over and she go, I find it every time. I said, I know you do. Oh, man. That, I that, loved her. That phlebotomist uh, 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 at her first on her own stick was a uh, Um, What if I miss the vein? I'm a, Sweetheart, come here. You're not going to miss the vein. I promise you. Matter of fact, I guarantee you. Because, and I pulled my arm out and I gave it a couple of good taps. I, See that? My veins don't roll. My veins don't move, and my veins are ginormous. You can be, you can be Ray Charles, <laughs> and find this vein. Yeah, I'm telling you. No, it, I mean, because she. I mean, I have a lot of nurses who have come in with the hot packs and the, you know, those little <laughs> infrared things to try to find your vein oh, yeah. in your arm and everything. They go in. I mean, I don't know how many times I had more fucking needle sticks one time for surgery than I have ever had in my life, and I'm like, dude, I'm not a fucking pincushion, but nobody could find it. I had. Uh, one blood draw. This was when I was uh, still going to Vancouver Clinic. And uh, I, I could hear the phlebotomist talking. I the free wondering... clinic over here, Scott? Not the free clinic. I've got good insurance. Um, <laughs> I was talking about your VDs, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. 
kidding. I hate you. I know. But no, I, I could hear her kind of, kind of talking to the other phlebotomist before they came around to me. It's been one of those days, man. I've blown three veins and they keep rolling. It's just, I'm just a hell of a day. And she comes over to me and says, okay, Mr. James Scott Alexander. I said, yeah, right here. She said, can you verify your last four of your social? And I gave that to her. She said, okay, no problem. She said, put your arm out. And she did the tourniquet and she looked at I got to tell you something. I go, what? She goes, I love you. Oh, I know. My mom. Just like that. Mom. Huh? She goes, well, it's been a hard day. She, then she explained to me exactly what I had over her because I didn't want to I didn't want to tell her, hey, I was listening on your conversation. Oh, yeah. Your veins are huge. Yeah. I said, yeah, you can't you can't miss my veins. And then she asked me, she said, do they roll or anything? No, no. I got. I just have. I've huge. You can. Like I said, you can throw that needle from across the room with your eyes closed. You're gonna hit the vein. Yeah. No, I tell. I tell people all the time. My mom sounds like a fucking junkie because nurse all her life. She'll see some guy on a movie and go, "Damn, he's got good veins." I go, <laughs> "You are a fucking junkie." No shit. <laughs> you should have been hanging out with me when I was using. Right. That'd be awesome. Well, we think that's why my sister's a phlebotomist right now. But that's another story. <laughs> um. Let's see here. Where was I? Um, after Dunst left Baylor Plano, he was hired to work at Dallas Medical Center located in Farmers Branch, Texas. Upon being hired, he was given temporary surgical privileges until the hospital administration could get his employment records from Baylor Plano. Now, not long after he began working at the medical center, the nurses started to have doubts about the new doctor's abilities, especially when they were pretty sure he was high while he was on duty to perform his surgeries. For example, there was a three-day period when he arrived at work wearing the same pair of worn-out scrubs for three days in a row, like you and your fucking duck jammies, only his were worn out and dirty. hey, stop right the fuck there. My duck jammies are awesome. Dude. That's Calm down. Don't get mad. Be, don't be That's dissing. an inside joke with me and my son. Calm down. Don't get mad. Don't be dissing on my ducky jammies, my Calm rubber down. ducky jammies. Yeah, well, you know, at least you weren't in the hospital wearing gross, dirty scrubs. You know what? From now on, whenever we have staff meetings, all you motherfuckers need to have goddamn duck jammies. You I am not going to Applebee's in a duck jammie. Yes. Yes, we are. And they have to be a onesie. That's a new rule. You proud of yourself now? You just fucked everybody on the staff. Okay, well, buy me a pair and I'll do it. Motherfuckers. Are I am not afraid to wear duck jammies in public. Come on. Yeah, I hope you're proud of yourself now. I am. So when everybody's looking at you going, we feel fucking ridiculous. I'm like, yeah, see, her. She, it's a new role. Yeah, but the staff love me, so. Yeah, you're all right for a Sasquatch. I'm, I'm all right for a ghetto girl. Um, Let's see, where was I? Oh, he worked at Dallas Medical Center. Listen to this. Three, less than a week. Literally, less than seven days. That's how long it took the medical center's officials to strip him of his surgery privileges there. Okay, you know what? Dallas Medical Center? Oh, wait, though. Thank you very much, because you guys don't have your head in your ass. Oh, hold on. Don't get ahead of yourself, Scott. Oh, oh, they do? Yeah. Less than seven days, though. Three days days out of that less than seven, he came to work in the same worn-out scrubs. And then within before seven days was up, they're like, nope, you cannot operate here anymore. That's fucking redonkulous. No shit, that's quick. Yeah. He was only allowed to perform two surgery procedures. However, let's be honest, they really didn't have a choice in the matter, and here's why. The first patient Dunst operated on when he arrived at Dallas Medical Center was... Loella Brown. <laughs> hey, you know what? It's coincidentally, I've been having stomach problems. That happened to me this morning. You had, had a Floella Brown? Brown. Yeah. 
I knew you were going to go there. I literally heard the poop jokes in my head when I typed I'm this like up. I'm like an artist, man. I painted the toilet. <laughs> I don't need another fucking animated graphic description of what it's goes more, on it's, in there. It's kind of like a... It's kind of like a Jackson Pollock painting in there, but without the colors, just all brown. Starry Night. <laughs> Was that Pollock? No. No, that's not. That's uh, Picasso. Oh, yeah. Picasso. My bad. Now, let's see. But then there's then there's an artist from my my mother country, Van Gogh, who fucking lopped off his ear and sent it to his girl. His Maybe Starry Night interest. is Van Gogh. I can't it I think Van it's Van Gogh, too. It is Van Gogh. You're right. Yeah. My bad. Lopped off his ear because he was crazy psycho in love. <laughs> Um, that's those are my people, Scott. He was in love, but he didn't want to listen to her. Now he can look at her and go, "I can't hear you." <laughs> Used to love her, <laughs> but I had to kill her. A little GNR moment, <laughs> you know. Um, let's say. Oh, anyways, during her surgery, he wound up severing her vertebral artery, which resulted in extensive blood loss. Despite that, he flat out refused to avoid abort the procedure. Instead, he packed the area with a substance to design to get the bleeding to stop. However, he used too much of it, and as a result, she had a stroke. Yeah, let's use 50 pounds of this stuff. What yeah, could go wrong? no doubt. The hospital attempted to message him after that, and he refused to respond to the t- pages, okay, for several hours. The following day, he went into the medical center and scheduled himself to perform an elective surgery instead of checking on and caring for Floella. The hospital administration told Dunce to delay the elective surgery, and again, he flat out refused to comply. They became so frustrated with him and his attitude that they made multiple attempts to get him to either take care of Floella or transfer her care to another surgeon. Or flusher. At that point, fuck off. Um, Dunst said he could take Floella into surgery and drill a hole in her scalp to, in order to alleviate some of the pressure. Yeah, that the works. hospital refused to give him permission to perform the procedure. A, he wasn't even qualified for brain surgery. He was a spinal surgeon. And second, he did not have a privilege at the hospital to do that kind of surgery. Not only that, the facility didn't even have the equipment he needed for it. Look, you can run down to, to Home, Home Depot, Depot, get a Black & Decker drill, and just go, eh. Exactly. You don't even need to get the expensive one. Get the cheapy, fucking whatever. But see, a head drill has that little stopper, so you can't go too far. Do what everybody does when you got to drill a pilot hole. You just you, go eh, you, slowly. No, you measure and you put a little piece of tape around there. Like, I only need to go like an inch deep or whatever. And then when you hit the tape, you stop. And then back it back out. Make sure it's nice and smooth. And you hit it in reverse and go back yeah. out. Back out. Yeah. I've watched a lot of Grey's Anatomy. They've had used regular drills before I've seen. But then they like don't even have a guide. They just go, go. okay, as soon as you feel that relief and pressure, pull back. And huh. I could do it to you. Let me do it. I'm thinking You're a no. drill, right? I'm way too smart for you to oh, do that. Oh, come on. Lobotomy, dude. No, I nice have pick. damaged enough brain cells on my own with extensive Scott, you've damaged use. my brain cells. I'm That's... a whole lot dumber than when I met you, when I first met you. Oh, no. Okay, you know what? I got to damage your brain cells even more. Oh, shit. Who'd you get a text from? Hold on, boys and girls. Let her read this Hold one. Hold on. Let me see here. Oh, shit. I went out of it. Oh, there we go. If you win a game against me, I'll have... <laughs> That's bad. 
I sent that to uh, to my buddy. Yeah, Craig. I was gonna say. Well, I noticed the name on there. I was like, oh my god. Has he told you yet how dumb you are? Who? Our friend. No, not yet. Why? No, I was just wondering because you sent him that, right? No, he just said that's bad. Oh. Yeah. Let's see here. Uh, oh, anyways, as a result, Floella remained in a coma for several hours before Dunce acknowledged that the hospital wasn't going to allow him to perform the brain surgery he wanted to do. He eventually agreed to transfer her care to another surgeon. However, by the time another doctor took over, she was already pronounced dead. So that entire time, she could have been ha- receiving medical care, and he refused to help her because he didn't get to do what he wanted to do. And, uh, he wanted to uh, fucking drill a hole in this woman's head. You know, if this was back in the 70s... I could kind of understand it. 60s. Oh, you know what? I'll even go the 80s. I'd be like, well, uh, you know, it's kind of... They were doing bullshit, stupid shit then. Then we had fucking Colin Norris. I was going to say, yeah, when Colin Colin happened, we thought things changed. No, just drug dispense laws. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, nothing's changed. Here we are. We're in the 2020. This is 2012, 2013, 2014. So we're in the 2010s at this point, and they're like, um, let's do the same thing that's fucked us up for the last, like, you know, five, six, seven decades. Yeah, yeah. dude, fucking might idiots. as well give them a fucking ice pick and tell them with the chisel and say, here, take out their brain. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> just pound it in really hard. We got duct just tape. Just put it right in the tear duct right there. <laughs> I got a little Don't bit. Don't worry, I hold it for you. I got some Bondo. Don't worry, we'll, we'll patch that head up without a problem. I got the stupid pen if you bleed. <laughs> <laughs> no, they have that, uh, what, that, that. That adhesive that can stop anything. Yeah, it's called styptic. No, 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 I'm talking about it's like a pad and they like puncture a fucking big tank and oh, like, yeah, the thing that Flex Seal. Yeah, the Flex Seal that they put on the bottom of the boat in that commercial. Yeah, that's, that's what yeah. they have. They're like, all right, so bleed, hold on. And they smack yeah, it. Yeah, dude. Say she ain't bleeding no more. That's right. Let's dude, go. We don't have. Look, we from the ghetto. I mean, not the ghetto. We from the country, hillbilly boondocks. Let's go get ours as a PBR. It's a good day. That's what that you is. Say, I grew up in the Midwest. Everything was fixed with duct tape and fucking thumbtacks and fucking plywood, man. Um, now, let's see. Then there's Mary Eford. E-F-U-R-D. She was a patient dunce scheduled for the elective surgery, which was a routine spinal fusion procedure. Now, during this, <laughs> I've seen how that one's gone out yeah, for before. During the surgery, he managed to do several things that a qualified surgeon wouldn't have done, including A, he severed a nerve root, B, he operated on the wrong side of her back, two, he twisted, number three, he twisted one of the screws into another one of her nerves. Jesus Christ. On the other side of Mary's spine, he left two screw holes, didn't even fill them. He didn't even remove the disc that was supposed to come out. And he left loose surgical hardware in the muscle tissue. Every time it was touched, it moved. Holy shit, now, man. Now, I've shown you, and I think you felt it, how you can feel the plate in my ankle, you know? Uh-huh. I mean, because didn't I have you feel it that one time? You did. It, like, Gross me it out. It feels cool, huh? Anyways, my son. Gross as fuck. I know. My son goes, gross, mom, stop it. But it's like, could you imagine if that was loose in there? Oh, no. And especially in your back. Yeah, no. Yeah, me neither. So, that takes baby got back to a whole new level, man. I know. <laughs> Slip to the GC. Okay. While Dunst was performing the surgery, the assisting surgeons kept telling him that he wasn't performing the surgery properly. These aren't even neurosurgeons, and they're telling him he's doing his job wrong. Now, they even warned him that he was screwing the surgical hardware into Mary's muscle instead of in her bone, like he was supposed to. 
How do you screw hardware into muscle tissue and not realize it's not a bone? With a, with a good attitude and some determination, same way with, like, anal. I just don't get it. I don't want to hear about how you <laughs> eat ass, Scott. That's not what I heard. That you, I heard that you get it quite a bit. It's a bit determination. Yeah, I like my ass eat. I don't care. <laughs> you asked! I did not. But- oh, <laughs> I heard. <laughs> oh, wait, no. I'm oversharing because you do so often. Oh, God. I need some Pepto or something. I feel the vomit's coming. Know, right? Let's see. Despite these numerous warnings, Dunst ignored them and kept proceeding. When Mary woke up after the surgery, she discovered she was paralyzed. She said later that when she woke up, all she could remember was being in, quote, excruciating pain. And when the hospital staff asked her to rate her pain on a scale of 1 to 10, she looked at him and said, 10 plus. Holy shit. Yeah. The nurses and doctors who were in the operating room with Dunt stated later that they thought he was very intoxicated, especially since his pupils were enormous, extremely dilated. Like, I mean, we've all been there. When <laughs> it's like, all you they... can see is the black of our pupil and not the color of our eyes. And then they're like a... Are you on something? No. What would make you say that? I'm not on any drugs at all. And they're like, I'm pretty sure you are. Yeah. I'm clean and sober. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. No. See, and, and I want to put something in perspective for some for people. Like, because my dad, I love my dad. He's no longer with us, and I miss him. But he was a very, let's say, histrionic type of person. Every time he went to the doctor, his because his doctor was my doctor. My doctor would go, so when, what's your pain level today? My dad would go, 10, always a 10. And my doctor looked at him finally and says, you know, when, if your pain level is always a 10, why are you not in the hospital? You could be dead. You should be dead. Because at some point, your pain is less than what it used to be, right? He goes, 10 means you are in the emergency room, can't walk, can't breathe, can't speak. My dad goes, fine. 9.9. 9.9. And I go, you're an ass, dad. You are an ass. I mean, I love my dad, but he was an ass. <laughs> but um, let's see. Dr. Robert Han- Henderson had been a spinal surgeon for quite a long time, and he was the one who was tasked with performing Mary's salvage surgery. After he received the imaging that showed what Dunst had done during surgery, he was confident that there would be some sort of legal ramification. For that reason, when he performed Mary's surgery, he recorded the process. When Dr. Henderson opened Mary up to perform the surgery, he was taken aback. He later compared Dunst's surgical performance to that of a child playing with tinker toys or an erector set. Holy shit. Yeah. He said that the other doctor's surgery was, quote, an assault. And had he not performed Mary's salvage surgery, the woman would have wound up bedridden for the rest of her life. After Dr. Henderson saw the result of Dunst's botched surgery on Mary, he questioned whether or not the man was truly a doctor or an imposter. And I got that whole catch me if you can, Leonardo DiCaprio, <laughs> Tom Hanks thing. It's like, I concur, you concur, I concur. When he wasn't really a doctor. Did you see that movie? I haven't seen that movie oh, yet. Oh, God, it's so funny. But he's the reason why fucking checks can't be washed anymore. <laughs> but that's a whole nother thing. Um, what you do in the privacy of your own squash Washing cave, checks? Whatever you call your kinky sexual <laughs> shit is your own fucking business. Whatever, dude. 
you know, it's just an amazing day when a high profile fucking um, scam artist becomes a employee for the FBI to teach him against bank fraud. Let's say here. Well, hell, scam artists become politicians every fucking day. So there you go. I know, but working for the FBI and fucking helping them against bank fraud—that'd be awesome. No, no, that's that's politicians right there. They they're working with all those. But they're not helping people. against bank fraud. They're helping they're swindle it. us out of our money. That's right. The goddamn and the freaking Jews. I hate politicians. No, I, I don't like politics. Anyways, I mean, I refuse to talk politics with people. There, there's very few politicians that I go. Okay, you're doing a yeah. decent job, but most Let's of them, say... I shake my head and go, "Oh, you're a douchebag." So. He said that there was no way in hell a real surgeon would have botched that type of surgery so severely. In fact, even if a person had just a rudimentary understanding of basic human anatomy, like high school biology, they would have known they were not operating on the correct area of Mary's back. Therefore, he felt it was his duty to find out the truth. Now, what are you doing? Why sending, are you duck lipping? Sending Craig a virtual kiss. Oh, because he's not feeling good. I know he's not. Is he feeling better today? No, no. He's waiting for his test results for Rona. Oh yeah. He told me the other day he was sick. Let's see here. Oh, so he decided to send a picture of Dunst over to the University of Tennessee. He wanted to know if his colleague had truly attended and received a degree from the educational institution. Because not just the name would suffice. It's like, I'm not making sure this is the Christopher Dunst you educated. Right. You know? And as it turned out, Dunst <clears throat> did attend and graduate from the university, as he had claimed. Then Henderson decided he would contact Dunst's residency and fellowship supervisors to get their input. That's when he found out about Dunst being placed in the Impaired Physicians Program, which caused even more concern. Considering Dunst only performed two surgeries at Dallas Medical Center and both of them had catastrophic results, one would think that'd be the last time anybody heard from Dr. Christopher Dunst again, right? You would think. I mean, even yeah, though... But how they, long have we been doing this show, Scott? I, I know. I'm just <laughs> thinking on the surface, you would think, hey, you know what? We're in the 2000s. Baylor already fucking knows about him. The Dallas area already knows about him. Word travels quickly in every industry. So no matter where you go, they're going to be like, no, dude, you don't want to hire this dude because he's a perpetual fuck up. But we've been doing this long enough to know. It that- ain't over till the fat lady sings and I ain't even humming. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ, I'm dying. Haven't even started warming up the vocal cords. That, that's fucking, that's too much. Like that Jesus one? fucking Christ. That was a self-deprecating joke. Right there. <laughs> that was good. You're starting yeah. to make jokes about you like I, I make about me. Dude, I like it. Ah, anyways, so um, where was I? Well, and then I go, well, if you know anything about our show, it's never that easy. The officials at the hospital didn't even bother to report his actions to the NPDB. Want to know why? Because they were afraid of getting sued. No, let me play devil's advocate for a split second. Just a split second. By law, if a surgeon only has temporary privileges at a hospital... The hospital is not under any legal obligation to file a report if there's any negligence on the doctor's part. That being said, I'm done playing devil's advocate. I feel even if Dallas Medical Center's administration wasn't legally obligated. It's a moral obligation that's there. That's exactly my whole point right there. Jesus fucking. That I'm was my next here. sentence. I'm just over here just fucking. Yeah. There's a fucking morals. Even if you did you not have a morals, leg- you goddamn yeah. fucking idiots. Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. I'm over here just being yes, pissed. Yes, you don't have to legally report him. But do you not have a moral obligation as a healthcare industry to protect everybody in the he- who needs health care? 
Isn't that a moral obligation? Very. What, what part of, first I will do no harm, do people not understand about the no harm part? <laughs> no harm? Um, ask your dad someday. <laughs> Let's see. It tastes a lot like when you're eating butt. It's like eating ass, Jake. First time might be a little off-putting, but you get used to it. Ask I, your dad. I don't think he was awake during that episode. I don't when think I said so either. <laughs> Listen to Saldivar. He's a special bonus episode. So when Dunst left Dallas Medical Center, he went to Southampton Community Hospital, located in Dallas, Texas, as well, and received surgical privileges there. <laughs> at the Christ. same time, he took on a position at Legacy Surgery, Surgery Center's outpatient clinic, and Legacy is now called. Frisco Ambulatory Surgery Center located in Frisco, Texas. If they hired him, it should be labeled, it should be called we're out of business. <laughs> we should be called this one's on us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or or if they're still in business, if ah, you get what you pay for. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a crapshoot. You might be paralyzed. Are you feeling lucky today? (laughs) (laughs) The surgery might be a a success, but... Odds are, not so much. (laughs) Maybe not. But you know what? We only charge half the price, so... (laughs) You know, if I was a betting woman in Vegas right now, I would still make a killing on, you know, fuck. Odds are he was fucking something up, right? Let's see. Now, while he was working at Southampton, he managed to botch even more surgeries. Imagine that. For instance, during Jeff Cheney's surgery, Dunst managed to damage the patient's spinal cord, which resulted in the loss of feeling on his right side. Then there was Philip Mayfield. During his surgery, Dunst somehow damaged his patient's spinal cord when he drilled into it. As a Black result, and Decker. Yeah. Sponsored by. <laughs> Sponsored by Black and Decker. Or what's the other one? Um, Makita. No, R. Doll. I can't remember. I have my ex-boyfriend's drill at home. That... <laughs> no, seriously. Okay. Wow. No, it's my ex-boyfriend Brian who committed suicide. Oh, what are you using that no, for? No, I have I have a cup that he he left at my house, and I have his power drill because you know they're special to me. I've never charged that battery again. I've never used it. You should. I've had girl ex You want me to drill you? No, I've had him attach things to power drills. and. Have do... you really, oh, liar? I did, I did some freaky chicks. What can I say, man? No, I believe you. <laughs> now I'm thinking, do I want to try it? I've had an adventurous, adventurous life. That's why I tell Yeah, everybody. I thought I was adventurous. No. If I died today, seriously, I would, man, it's been a good run. Yeah. It's been a good run. I did what I could when I could. Yeah. That's, that's See, that's how I want to live, too, but whatever. Yeah, it's been good. Yeah, fuck so it. Let's see here. Let's see. As a result, Philip wound up partially paralyzed from his neck down. After extensive physical therapy, he did learn to walk again with the assistance of a cane. But even so, he continued to have right side paralysis as well as paralysis in his left arm. Not only that, he said that he suffered from chronic sharp shooting pains throughout his entire body. And his butthole. Now, I will tell you what. I have chronic back pain. But mine is more like a ache that sometimes shoots. Okay? Shut up. In your butthole? No, in my back. Bitch, shut up. So your butthole. Okay. No, it's cool. I totally understand. Anyways, you have that but, you know, but, but because of the nerve damage after the last surgery, because of the way the disc was, oh, I have yeah. like no feeling from my, on my right side from the hip down to my knee. 
I mean, it's like deep tissue. I can feel it, but surface-wise, you can pinch me, and I wouldn't feel it. Fuck off, Scott. I didn't even say anything. I'm just no, but you it. have that look on your face that makes me want to choke you. And let's see. Where was I? Oh, In February, <laughs> I hate you. In February 2021, just, you know, a year ago, as a result of complications that arose from the bot surgery, Philip's immune system was vulnerable. Therefore, when he contracted COVID-19, his body was unable to fight off the virus, and he lost his life as a direct <laughs> result of Dunst's gross negligence. Now, then, there's Marshall Tex Muse. M-U-S-E. I know, that just doesn't even sound right. No, that's a bad Marshall thing. Muse, but his nickname was Tex. That is an awesome name. I would tell you, that's this very old west. You're in Texas anyway. Don't go to that town, boy. Why not? I robbed a bank there once, and Marshall Tex Muse is still after me. I'm still afraid of my life. I can't even go towards El Paso. <laughs> he wasn't a Marshall. His name was Marshall. Yeah, same thing. Fine. <laughs> same diff. It's Marshall Marshall Tex Muse. Is that better? You like that one better? Yeah. No. Fuck. <laughs> That's what you get. Anywho, he was he required surgery in order to remove some discs that had started to degenerate. After completing the surgery before he closed up, Dunce managed to leave some of the surgical hardware inside Marshall's body. The hardware was left to float around the man's muscle tissue and spine. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait, it gets better. When Marshall woke up in the recovery room, he told Dunn that he was in extreme pain. The doctor told him there was nothing to worry about because the pain he was experiencing was typical for that procedure. Then he wrote Marshall a prescription for some Percocet. His, he prescribed so much of that opioid that the pharmacy flat out refused to fill it. There's like, no fucking way, this is way too much. Oh, man. Yeah. He, okay. okay, hold on. Chris here's just trying to get the brother high, so I can kind of respect that. And the pharmacy shot him down. Can't even get high. Yeah, well, Dunst must have written Marshall an appropriate prescription because Marshall wound up addicted to opioids later. His addiction was so bad that the man lost both his job and his wife. Yeah. That's his and, wife's fault. And I'm fault. sure that there was probably a whole lot of fucking depression going on, too. Makes me sad because obviously yeah. she never listened to Tammy Wynette and Stand By Your Man and sat there and bailed out of him in his time of need. That's my namesake. Ma'am, ma'am. You should be ashamed of yourself for walking out on your man when he needed you and he's all fucking addicted to opioids. Yeah, because she put on those, these boots are made for walking instead of stand by your man. <laughs> the D I V O R C E. Makes me sad, man. Was final today? That's my namesake. I love her. So, uh, Marshall later said that just the day before his surgery took place, he had read an article about Kelly Martin's death. When he called and asked Dunst about the incident, the doctor <laughs> yelled and cursed at him for being so bothersome about it. Why are you bothering me with this shit? Let me just do your surgery. I promise I, I, promise I won't fuck it up. <laughs> Look, I know I fucked it up before. Gerald Gallegos. I was just going to say, say, but believe me. Yours is different. That's right. Believe me, you're different. I care about you more. <laughs> yeah. Then there's Jacqueline Troy. Had to have a routine surgery, which Dunst performed. During the procedure, somehow he severed one of her vocal cords. How as, the, What the fuck? Yeah, well, I'm assuming she had a no, cervical seriously. surgery because it's right in here. Uh, okay. For people who don't know, when you have uh, neck surgery, like 
in your spine for your neck, instead of going in from the back, they actually go in from the front to perform the surgery. Right, right, okay? right. Some people don't understand that, though. They think, oh, it's your neck that'd be going in from the back. No, they actually go in through the front. Um, so um, he not only severed one of her vocal cords, he also severed an artery. If that wasn't bad enough, he also managed to damage her trachea. As a result, she hasn't been able to speak louder than a whisper since. And her husband was so grateful, he actually wrote him a letter of recommendation. Anyways, immediately after the surgery, Jacqueline was required to be under sedation for several weeks. When she was brought out of sedation, every time she tried to eat something, the food would get into her lungs. She would aspirate. As a result, in order to receive nutrients, she had to be tube fed. Oh, no, that's fucked up. Like, for real, I'm not even going to make jokes about that shit. That's fucked up. Now, since we've been doing this show for more than six months, right? We've been doing this since June 28th of 2021. One would think nothing would shock me, right? Right, because we do a ton of this Okay, well, I for one thought I'd seen it all. However, I was sadly mistaken, and here's why. Even though Dunst had botched all of the surgeries above while working at Southampton, he was never let go. In fact, the facility was bought out, and it changed its name to University General Hospital, and the new owners retained the doctor's surgical privileges. That's fucking retarded. Jesus Christ, man. They didn't just write him a letter of recommendation and say, get the fuck out. They said, you know what? Fuck it. We'll keep you. Yeah, you're a great doctor. Yeah. You're just fucking everybody's life. I mean, come on. You're only, you're, you've only you know, got more than an 81% failure rate. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you. I'm just I am disgusted by this one. At some point, Dunce went to Methodist Hospital, located in Dallas as well, and applied for surgical privileges there. Before receiving them, the hospital did perform a query of the new applicant on the NPDB. When it didn't turn up any incident reports, he was approved for privileges. Not long after that, Jeff... Oh, my God, I do not want to say this name. Oh, do tell. Jeff Glidewell... You know, I'm glad that you said that because I've had several chicks that quickly learned that a little bit of lubrication helps it glide well every time. Were any of those chicks named Jeff? Don't judge me. Maybe. (laughs) Don't judge me. Look, look. He called himself. I'm sorry. She called herself. (laughs) Jafina. My name's Jafina. Pajama Jafina Cherry Love. (laughs) (laughs) The spit went down the wrong way. Sorry. They inhaled. <laughs> no, wait. Thank you, though. Um, you're not Bill Clinton. You inhaled? I did. I did not inhale. I can't even do an Arkansas voice like you can. So, let's see here. He went in to receive a routine cervical fusion, which that's in the neck um, procedure. During the operation, Jeff wound up severely injured when Dunst thought a portion of the patient's neck muscle was actually a tumor. As a result... It's not a tumor. I know. As a result, he severed a vocal cord, cut a hole in the esophagus, and sliced an artery. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just like a repeat. It's on fucking repeat here. And that's how, you, looping. Get, that's how you get California roll. <laughs> Sushi chef. <laughs> Number two California I'd like roll. Sp- I'd like a spider roll, please. <laughs> no, seriously. No, I mean, I know it sounds gross, but it's... Soft-shell crab. It's delicious. Um, When Jeff began to have extensive bleeding, Dunst thought he would stem the blood flow by packing the patient's throat with a surgical sponge. Then, no, no, not the stuff that stops the bleeding, but a sponge. Mm -hmm. Then he decided to just close up Jeff's incision, leaving the sponge where he had placed it. 
When the nurses and assisting surgeons tried to tell him the sponge was still inside the patient, Dunstan didn't bother to acknowledge that they were speaking and continued to suture the man up. Okay. This is how a lot of lawsuits happen, by the way. The sponge wound up causing an acute bloodborne infection, which led to septicemia, which is, you know, bloodborne, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, when another doctor ordered Jeff have some imaging, they saw the sponge still in the patient's body, and when they asked Dunst to assist in removing it, he said, nope, not going to happen. Not my sponge. Yeah, not, not my day. Several days later, Dr. Kirby was finally brought in to perform the surgery to repair all the damage that Dunst had caused. Dr. Kirby later stated that when he opened Jeff up and discovered what Jeff Dunst had done, it appeared as if the procedure was done by a crazed maniac. When Jeff woke up after that procedure, Dr. Kirby even told him flat out to his face, which doctors don't do, Dunst was obviously set out to kill you. Other Jesus doctors don't Christ. say that normally because that's a lawsuit waiting to happen. You know, when you admit negligence. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, he looked at him and said, you know, it's obvious Dunst was trying to kill you. Um, in the end, Jeff wound up having only one functional vocal cord. His esophagus was permanently damaged, and the left side of his body, body was partially paralyzed. Dr. Kirby later said, said that to him, it appeared as if Dunst had intended to decapitate the patient. Not only that, he claimed that surgery... That surgery as botched as that one, quote, has not happened in the United States of America ever before. Now, to this day, Jeff still suffers from complications from the surgery that Dunst performed. Over the years, let's say this happened in like 2013, 2014. So only like maybe not even 10 years, eight, nine years. He has already had over 50 additional procedures in an effort to correct all the damage that was caused. There was one point during all of this that he could only eat little tiny bites of food rather than a whole meal. Um, If there was anything good that came out of Jeff's ordeal, it's this. His surgery would be the last procedure Dunce would ever perform, and that's because he was pushed out of University General Hospital a short time later. Um... Now, after Dr. Kirby performed the surgery to repair the damage Dunst had caused Jeff, he decided to write a long, detailed letter of complaint, which he sent to the Texas Medical Board. In the letter, he referred to Dunst as a, quote, sociopath, and he was, quote, a clear and present danger to the citizens of Texas. With a significant amount of pressure from Dr. Kirby and Dr. Henderson, Dunst's medical license was suspended on June 26, 2013 by the Texas Medical Board, just suspended, okay? The board's lead investigator overseeing the case later stated that she really wanted to pull the doctor's license as soon as they started their review. However, her request was shot down by her their attorneys. They said if the investigation didn't turn up any proof of negligence, suspending his license ahead of time could result in legal re- ramifications against them. So the investigation took approximately 10 months. It was that long for the board to determine that there was, in fact, a, quote, pattern of patient injury, which was required for the state to justify revoking his license. Now, Erwin, this is a German name for real. I think Dieter knows this guy. Erwin Zeitzler. Yes, Miss Tommy. I know him very well. Do you? He was with me at Auschwitz. 
Was he Zeitzler was? He was. But you don't hear a lot about him. Yeah, he was we the Texas to, Medical Board chairman. We had to keep him hidden because he was very good with the dirty Jews. He made sure that they got into the showers all the time. He did. Anyways, uh, he later said that, quote, complications in neurosurgery were more common than most laymen believe, which I understand because that's a very sensitive area. Nerves, all that shit. Things happen. However, I don't believe they happen to extent that this doctor's did like 81 points, five, seven percent. That's a fucking high ass number. I mean, you and I deal with numbers a lot. That's high. Yeah. You want to think that at least 95 percent of the time well, your doctor does their shit correctly. Well, let's put it this way. Nobody would get a credit card with a 29 percent interest. Why would they trust a doctor with an 81 percent failure rate? No. Yeah, that's true. That I is mean, true. Look at it that way. <laughs> You know, uh, fucking stupid, man. Yeah. God damn. So, um, where was I? As it is, most members of the board were finding Dunt's case hard to comprehend. After all, it's almost unfathomable to believe that a surgeon trained in a major university in America could even could be even remotely as incompetent as he seemed Especially to be. Especially a fucking neurosurgeon, exactly. man. Exactly. Those are like the fucking that, that's de la extensive creme. training. I mean, extensive training. You know, it's like you don't fuck around. That's somebody's brain and their spine and their mobility and their livelihood and their life. Yeah, no shit, man. Yeah. Okay, well, and I got it. Actually, got a good example. This came to mind. We talked about when I injured my back and pulled the nerves away from my spine. When I was talking to the neurosurgeons, uh, they were saying, "Okay, well, we want to build a cage and reattach the nerves." There's a 75% chance that you won't walk, but you won't have any pain. You know what? I said, ah, I got a, you know, Jake was only like five. I got a five-year-old son, man. I can't be in a wheelchair with a five-year-old kid. This is not going to happen. What are you smelling yourself? Oh, never mind. I think she farted because I smelled rotten egg for a second. I was like, where is she? Lift your pits. Fuck off. I smell like a man. I uh-huh. smell like a man. <laughs> you look like one too. But anyway. Um, <laughs> I got that one right away, asshole. <laughs> That's fucked up. But yeah, I was like, no. Now, if they came to me, especially if they said. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's the dog hitting my guitar. Oh, I smell it too. You nasty motherfucking dog. I think she shit on herself. But she, if they, that if, smells worse than my basset. Go so ahead. with a seventy-five percent chance that I'm gonna be fucked up, I said no. Could you imagine if they came oh, to yeah. any base? Hey, look, you have better than an eighty-one percent chance that mm, you're gonna be pretty fucked up. How many people are gonna go? Works for me. <laughs> Let's roll the dice. Come yeah. on, Daddy needs a new pair of shoes. Daddy needs a new pair of I'm shoes. I'm feeling lucky oh. today. No, Ooh. no snake eyes. So, <laughs> Ooh, snake eyes. I crapped out. Well, I didn't see that coming because yeah. of that 81 percent chance of fucking failure. Yeah. Well, Fuck. see, when my, my when my dad had his stroke and he was in the emergency room, because nowadays, if your stroke if the stroke is caught in time, you can go to the hospital and the neurologist can give you a. It's called a clot buster. It's a very powerful blood thinner. And it can only be given once in a certain amount of time. Okay. But the doctor looked at me because I made it there as soon as I could because it wasn't that far away. I was like, okay. He goes, you know what? We're in this time frame right here. He goes, I have exactly 20 minutes before I can't give this injection anymore. So you have to decide. And so it's like I didn't have time to call my brothers. You know what I mean? And I had full power attorney, so that wasn't the big issue. But it was like a major life 
life-changing decision because the doctor told me, with this injection, there's a 50-50 shot. I said, what do you mean by 50-50? He goes, either A, he will live, or B, he will die. He'll bleed out right here. I was like, okay. He goes, but I will tell you that one, only one in five patients aren't successful with this procedure. I go, okay. I said, how many have you done? He goes, two. I said, how many patients have you lost? He goes, none. I said, odds are still in my favor. Do it. <laughs> no, I, I can agree with that. Because if you said, out of two, I've lost one. But, or in Chris's case here, out of two, I fucked up two. Okay. I've lost three. Yeah, <laughs> I've lost you. Um, yeah. Don't think we're going to roll no. that dice. Well, and see, and the way I looked at it is because my dad, if he would have had to live with the results of the debilitating stroke, he wouldn't have had a quality of life anyways. So it's either A, try to get him better, or B, what difference does it make? I, as soon as you said if a stroke is caught on time, the first thing that went to my mind is if it's caught on time, her eyes roll in the back of her head. That's a different stroke. Different, different stroke strokes. For different folks. Mine go like this. I hate you. <laughs> okay, let's see here. Uh, I lost my place. Oh. oh, okay. During the investigation, the board consulted with seasoned neurosurgeon Martin Lazar. Lazar, L-A-Z-A-R. After that going, is an awesome. I name. know it is. After going over the case, Dr. Lazar was brutal in his criticism of the work Dunst performed. For example, he berated the man for not noticing any of the signs that indicated Kelly Martin was in fact bleeding out. He said, "You can't not know that and be a neurosurgeon." Right? With all of the evidence collected, the Texas Medical Board officially revoked his license on December 6, 2013. Now, when the medical license was revoked, he decided he would try and get a fresh start by relocating to Denver. However, once he was there, he went headfirst into a downward spiral. The decision passed down by the Texas Medical Board was just the tip of the iceberg. He wound up declaring bankruptcy because he was well over a million dollars in debt by that point. That wasn't the end. While he was in Denver, he was pulled over and the officer ended up arresting him for being intoxicated. And once when he returned to Dallas to visit his sons, he was taken in for a psychiatric evaluation. And then another time while he was in Dallas, he was actually picked up for shoplifting. Ang. That's what I said. exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, Ang. Did they find a body in his trunk? There was no body in Ing's trunk. I thought, I thought there was a body. No, there was a gun. Gun, and, that's uh, what it was. They were trying to steal vice grips, remember? Yeah, I remember now. That's why I sent you the picture of the vice grips this morning. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, I'm, I'm back on <laughs> yeah. track. Yeah. Three months after the board's decision in March 2014, three lawsuits were filed in federal court. Oh, I said the of. It's supposed to be three of. Three of Dunt's severely injured patients, Mary Efford, Kenneth Fennell, the first one, and Lee Passmore, each filed a lawsuit against Baylor Plano. In the lawsuits, the patients alleged that the hospital willingly allowed Dunst to continue performing operations even though they knew he was a dangerous doctor, which I agree with. The Texas Attorney General, Greg Abbott, did join the fray when he filed a motion with the court to negotiate the lawsuits and defend Baylor Plano Hospital. In the motion, Abbott chose to cite a 2003 Texas statute 
that capped out a medical malpractice suit at $250,000. And this statute also took the phase gross negligence from the state's definition of legal malice, which I think that's just protecting the fucking criminal. I agree. The three lawsuits that were filed claimed that Baylor Plano allegedly earned an average of $65,000 in net profit every time Dunst walked into the operating room and performed spinal surgery on a patient. So that's above and beyond what they paid him and all the other staff. Right, right. That's so, profit. That's yeah, not, I'm just like letting gross, people know net. it's like, you know, that's above and beyond their overhead. So they were making bank too, um, which is probably why they let him get away with it for so long. Oh, yeah. You know, which fucking pisses me off. Even though they were instrumental in making sure Dunn's medical license was revoked, Dr. Henderson and Dr. Kirby were afraid that wasn't enough. They had a tremendous fear that he would just relocate to another state or country and acquire a license to practice medicine. That thought alone was not something the two respected doctors could just brush off or live with. They believed they, with every fiber... Of their being, why are you texting me? Just keep talking. Okay, I'm busy that Dunce over here. Was a, I know you're pay, ignoring me. That Dunce was a quote clear and present danger to the public. With the shared sentiment, they both contacted the Dallas County DA and urged them to file criminal charges against the inept surgeon. After Henderson and Kirby went to the DA, they didn't hear anything more about the case for over a year. Then in 2015, right before the statute of limitations ran out on any possible charges, the DA finished their inquiry. One of the major issues they were having was finding enough evidence that would prove beyond a reasonable doubt that Dunst had willfully violated the law as defined by Texas statutes. Because, okay, Scott, we have to remember that it has to be defined by the law. He is a doctor in a medical field providing surgeries for, you know what I mean? How much evidence, in, like for real, you've got but, other doctors standing around okay, going, hey. I'll explain it in a little bit. You're not drilling that into her bone. You're drilling yeah. that into muscle tissue. He's like, fuck you. Psh, I got we'll Black see. and Decker. I'll, I'll get to it. In a, I mean, I do kind of get into it in a little bit because uh, I'll just wait until the end when I explain it because otherwise I'll get ahead of myself and I won't be able to backtrack. Um the DA's office painstakingly set about interviewing Dunt's former patients, the family members, and the survivors of those two who had died. In the end, the DA agreed with Dr. Kirby and Henderson. What Dunt did to his patients by operating on them was nothing short of criminal. Not only that, they knew that the only thing that would stop the man from trying to practice medicine again would be to lock him in a penitentiary. Agreed. Okay? Now, during the DA's investigation, they managed to find an email... From 2011, right, right around the time he got hired at Baylor, right, written by him that said, and he was bragging about how he was, quote, ready to leave the love and kindness and goodness and patience that I, and patience, not patience, that I mix with everything else that I am and become a cold-blooded killer. There's a fucking shocker. Yeah. But it's like, you know what? I just don't. Let's see. The lead prosecutor on the case was ADA Michelle Sugart. S-H-U-G-H-A-R-T. Pour some sugar time, man. Oh, I thought you were going to call her sugar tits, but okay. No, I would never do that. She's a DA. She's prosecuting this piece of shit. 
Now, she later stated that Dr. Henderson, Dr. Kirby, and Dr. Lazar came to her and demanded that they, she call them call on them to testify against stunts. Because they were all laser-focused. Yeah. According to her, typically a doctor won't even consider <laughs> testifying against a colleague in court. You know, because it's like the brotherhood. Right. But in this case here, like for no, real, dude, man. I know. Any doctor worth his salt who takes an oath to practice medicine would be appalled by what this man did. Oh, yeah. High, they'd, sober, don't matter. They'd be a, a lisa too. Appalled? A lisa A Stacy'd? A bobbed? A larried? Are you done? A jeffed? A jacked? Off? <laughs> done. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> no, Later, I'm, I'm lovely to work with. The journal, the Texas prosecutor, wrote an article about the case. When Shugart and the prosecutors on the case were interviewed by the journal, they talked about the reactions they received. For instance, when the prosecutors approached their higher-ups, the DA, um, and presented him with the evidence, they were met with skepticism. However, after the office superiors reviewed the case they were presented, they were soon in, quote, overwhelming disbelief about how a licensed surgeon could do the things he had allegedly done. Shugart and her team were able to determine there was, quote, a scary pattern when it came to Dunn's actions. And the information they gave to the DA convinced him to allow them to convene a grand jury. Now, almost five and a half years after the board revoked his license, in July of 2015, he was arrested and formally charged in criminal court. At that time, he was facing six counts of felony aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, five counts of aggravated assault causing seriously bodily injury, and one count of injury to an elderly person. Six, five, one. Ha, 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 ha. I said, 12, 12 counts. Ah, 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 ah. Felony, felony counts. Ah, 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 one ah, cookie. Ah. <laughs> I want cookie. I want cookie. <laughs> Is that Johnny Trash? Cash. Whatever. Oscar the Grouch. <laughs> when Johnny Cash was on there? Yep. Yeah. I, I, I remember when they you know, fucking hearing that they turned Cookie Monster into Vegetable Monster or something like that. Yeah, it was like a while ago because they give Why? make kids want to eat cookies. And we should make them eat vegetables. What the fuck ever? Kids want to eat cookies anyways. <sighs> if they wanted kids to eat vegetables, they should make vegetables taste like cookies. I fucking, <laughs> I heard about that. I That's just, all I'm saying. I shook my head and went, are you guys all fucking retarded? Yeah, Oscar the Grouch was my favorite. I love and Oscar. Bird and Snuffleupagus. I love Snuffleupagus, Snuffleupagus. But I relate more to Oscar the Grouch. Yeah, and G- Grover. The fuck was he that? Was Grover flies and it runs into buildings. You just scared and the, me. And the, oh no, it was Muppets with the Mad That's, Chef and the yeah. Beaker. <laughs> Never mind, I'm done. I love those show, old shows <laughs> and the fucking old fucking fogies in the balcony that kept fucking heckling the crap. Boo! Get off the stage. I, know, I love the Muppets and, and pigs in space. <laughs> You're so bad. It ain't easy being green. It isn't. But I took I took some uh, antibiotics, and that's all clearing up now. I'm sure the coffee goddess is glad to hear it. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Now I can go back to doing what I love doing, teabagging. They quickly figured out that's not green tea. It smelled way different. 
I don't even. I don't even know where to go. <laughs> There's no escape. It's not caffeinated. <laughs> oh my fucking god! If you're out there, save me. There's no saving Please. you. Please, we own your soul. Just ping my phone. Save me. Okay. Anyways, um, let's see. The charges were filed a mere four months before the statute of limitations expired. They were like cutting it down to the wire. Now, the injury to an elderly person charge was in regards to the outcome of Mary Efford's surgery. The prosecution team placed the majority of their focus on proving that charge in particular. And the reason for this decision was because it was the one charge that had the widest range when it came to sentencing. If he was found guilty on that charge, he would face a life sentence. Stop making fun of me when I talk with my hands, ass. I'm just thinking... I'm thinking she had a wide charge, and then you said ass. Maybe she I said had a- wide range. Oh, yeah, she's got a wide range. All right. I'm, I'm my kind of girl. Tell me more about her. Did she wear depends? They also figured that single char- that single charge would also be the easiest one to prove, especially since Dunce was told numerous times during the surgery that he was placing the surgical hardware in the wrong position, and the fluoroscopy images taken from Mary's surgery made this claim obvious. And a fluoroscopy, for people who don't know, is an x-ray technique that allows a doctor to capture real-time moving images of internal functions. For instance, it's performed when the doctor needs to watch the heartbeat or they're swallowing. Okay. Now the prosecutors on this case, on the case were seeking a sentence that would guarantee Dunst wouldn't be able to perform surgeries or practice medicine ever again in his life. For that reason, they severed his charges and tried him for the Mary effort case first so that they wouldn't be, you know, because that was the one they needed a conviction on, and then they figured they'd go after the rest. While he was waiting for his trial to start, he was housed in the Dallas County Jail. As it turns out, it would be nearly two years before Dunst's trial began in 2017. By then, he didn't have a penny to his name, and since he could no longer afford to pay for an attorney, he was appointed a public defender. Hey, my name's Bob. If anybody deserves a public defender, it's him. My name's Bob. You're my first case I've ever done. Yeah. So let's just roll the who, dice, see how this turns out. Who are you? We're going on trial for what? Murder? I ain't got this. What's your name? Christopher Dunst? Okay, hold on. Uh, Christopher Dunst. I'm sorry, what was your name? Can I call you Bob? No, uh, okay, I'm Bob. I'm Bob. Okay, sorry, Your Honor. I just got confused. It's, it's okay. No, you're my first one. I'm excited. Are you excited, Chris? I'm excited. I don't even know what the fuck is going on with your case, but I got you. He did what to an old lady? Oh, dude, that's kind of messed up, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm shocked. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I use allegedly a lot on this show Um, because I don't want to be sued. Um, During the trial, Sugart told the court that Dunst should have been aware that if he didn't change his approach when it came to surgery, it was highly likely he would end up harming his patients. Since he was making the same mistakes repeatedly, the injuries she Mary suffered from the procedure were thereby intentional by nature because he knew right. he was fucking up. He wasn't changing his practices. So therefore he was intentionally harming. Right. Cause they're straight out telling him, Hey dude, you're yeah. not putting this in correctly. You're not even in yeah. bone. And he's like, fuck it. I'm going to do well, it. They're anyway. not even talking about the fact that he was being told then they're talking about his previous patients before that. And he wasn't changing his procedures. You know what I mean? Right. So, when then she went on to say that hospitals dunce had privileges at were also at fault since they did not file any reports against him. Their failure to report the negligence of the doctor encouraged him to keep performing surgeries, especially since the salary he was earning as a neurosurgeon would help to solve 
all of his growing financial issues. Okay. So they encouraged him to keep doing fucked up shit, which I agree with. <laughs> now, despite the defense attorney's objections, the prosecutors called several of Dunn's other patients in to testify against him. They wanted to establish a pattern that would help prove that by continuing to operate, he was intentionally putting patients in harm's way. When it came time for the defense to argue their case, Dunn's lawyer stood before the jury and said something that shocked me so much, my jaw dropped. They claimed their client was not aware of how poor his performance as a surgeon was until he was sitting in court and the experts called by the prosecution testified in regards to the numerous errors he had made while in the operating room. Well, I ran the car into the brick wall 35 times, but I didn't know that was wrong. I mean, nobody told me until right now that running over people in the street and sideswiping cars was wrong. Yeah, well, they're trying to say he didn't even know he was doing anything wrong. Bitch, you maimed and paralyzed and killed people. How do you not know you're wrong? Including your own friends. Yes. I'm I'm, going to point that out. Dude, you fucked up one of your own friends. And you've had friends that said, I would never let this man touch me, let alone operate on me. I wouldn't let you take my dog's temperature. Yeah, no. Because... You sever something. You sever something. That should have been a big clue right there, old Chrissy buddy. (laughs) Yeah. Then they went on. I mean, I was floored by that. I was like, what the fuck? How does he not know? (laughs) How do you not know? Why do you not know? That's iCarly. They went on to say it wasn't their client's fault that the patients were seriously injured or dead as a result of the operations he performed. In fact, if anything was to blame, it would be the lack of proper training he was given in school and the hospital's complete lack of oversight in regards to his actions. So it's not my client's fault he's a dumbass. It's everybody else's. I just gave her the shooting Dude, myself that in the like head fucking, deal. Dude, isn't that like almost domestic violence 101? That's just... Unbelievably stupid. Isn't that, Criminal yeah. behavior 101. Nobody does. It's not my fault. Everybody else made me do it. Why'd you make me paralyze you? You made me do this. You, you made, made me do me this. Paralyze. My lack of education and you being here made me do it. Jesus Christ, man. Mm-hmm. Please, is he in Texas while he's getting fucking all this stuff? Yeah, done? this is all in Texas. Y'all should be executing him. Y'all. Like, seriously, Yosemite Sam, his ass, shoot him right there. Like, don't eat, don't pass Don't go. even duck season, rabbit season him. Just do it. Just come in and say, okay, Mr. Christopher Dunst. Yeah, that's me. You were a, neuro, a neurosurgeon, right? Yeah, that's me. Bang, done. Okay. <laughs> Next. <laughs> Last four of your social and birthday, please. I want to make sure I have the right guy. Yeah. <laughs> it seems as if Shugart was prepared for this argument because she had a counter waiting to be pulled out of her back pocket. She told the jury that the email Dunst wrote in 2011, which is sent shortly after his first surgeries were botched, was the proof needed to determine that he was well aware of his actions and therefore the injuries sustained by Mary were done intentionally. Now, let's see here. The entire trial may have lasted nearly two weeks. However, it only took the jury four hours to find him guilty of injury to an elderly person. He received his sentence on February 20th, 2017 when the judge ordered him to spend the rest of his life in prison. They should have shot him. Just shy of two years later, on December 10th, 2018, Dunn's conviction was affirmed by the Texas Court of Appeals with a two-to-one split decision. 
after that, he filed a petition requesting a discretionary review or consideration for an appeal. He received their refusal decision in, on May 8, 2019. So as far as the four hospitals that had granted Dunn's surgical privileges, each one of them is still in litigation over ongoing civil cases that were filed against them to this day, which I'm glad, you know. Yeah, me too. So when the jury of his peers convicted Dunst in a court of law, it was a groundbreaking, precedent-setting moment in American history. It was probably the first time in American medicine and American justice where a licensed physician faced criminal charges for performing their job. Make no mistake. Dunst wasn't on trial because his patients were having complications as a result of the surgeries he performed. He was brought up on felony charges because he willfully <laughs> ignored warnings and blatantly refused to repair damage he had caused. Not to mention, he was visibly intoxicated several times while he held a scalpel in his hands. He was a neurosurgeon, people, not a fucking dentist. <laughs> no shit. Okay. The district attorney for Dallas County stated this was, quote, a historic case with respect to prosecuting a doctor who had done wrong, who had done wrong during surgery. Then when Carlos Bagley, the director of neurosurgery at UT Southwestern, was called to testify, called to the stand to testify on behalf of Dunst, he said, quote, the only way this happens is that the entire system fails the patients. And I think that's exactly what happened. Here. I agree, yeah. You know, and then another expert in the field of neurosurgery testifying on behalf of Dunst also stated, quote, the conditions which created Dr. Dunst still exist, thereby, thereby making it possible for another to come along. So my ending thought, if that's not enough incentive to seek natural medicine, I don't know what the fuck is. Well, you know, there's safeguards in place, okay? So there are. You, you go like this, and this is just how my mind works. I'm not a doctor by any no, means. No, but you but, always take on an inherent risk every time you go and have a procedure done. But here's what I'm thinking. You got your doctor mm -hmm. educated in the field that, they, that, like my knee surgery or whatever, you know, they're, uh, right. they're, they're orthopedic surgeon. They're going to replace my knee. So they've been trained. Yes. Okay. You would assume that the hospital hiring them has already vetted them. Right. You know, and that they've, they've, they have all the requirements. Even if you're the first patient they've ever done alone, they've maybe done, let's say, a thousand surgeries. Yes. Let's just go with that. Let's even go with a hundred. Yes. You know, so you have that, you know, and then if that doctor fails. Yes. His supervisors should be looking at that. And then the administrators of the office. Yeah. You would think those safeguards, and it sounds like even in today's society, the way that things are just simply be set up is like, no, there's no safeguards. It's like everybody wants to still pass the buck. I hate you. You love that? That's not yeah. you? That's awesome. Um, but everybody, everybody still wants to pass the buck, and it's, it's bullshit. Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, like I said, when people go in and have, you know, anytime you have a, a procedure done, you are automatically taking on an inherent risk you know so and that's why malpractice insurance and everything is in place but when it's gross negligence right when somebody is purposely continuing to do things over and over and over again that they know is detrimental that's that bad day person that was on 26 on my way in 
when somebody is willfully doing things over and over and over again, knowing it's been detrimental, yet they aren't changing their procedures, they aren't changing their actions or whatever, they're not trying to make things better, you know, and they're willfully ignoring to provide these patients with proper care, even if that means signing them over to another physician, then that to me goes be, and that's criminal. Uh, exactly. That is criminal. That's not just a matter of, yeah, I made a mistake, human error. That is right. blatant criminal behavior. You know, okay. So, so, like, when I go in to get my knee done, if there's a mistake that happens, look, I'm not too happy by any means. Any shape. Me neither. That's the last thing I want to do. You know, if the doctor goes, hey, okay, there was a mistake. I made that mistake. Let's go in and, you know, let's get this corrected. Yeah. By all means, I would be like, okay, bring another surgeon in, surgeon in because you, you screwed it up the first time. Right. But I yeah. would like to have a different doctor in there to fix it. Right. I get that. I'd be, okay, hey, you know what? No harm, no fail. You're going to go in. You're going to fix it. We're all good. Yeah. However, if it's happening, not just with me, but 10 other fucking patients, you know, 85% yeah, of the time. You're talking eight out of 10, eight and a half out of 10 patients. Yeah. And they're getting all fucked up. That's you like would, your four and a half out of five marriages. <laughs> no shit, huh? But, you know, you would think that administration would step in. Oh, yeah. Especially, you're talking about hospitals around the Dallas-Fort Worth area, right? I would like to think that the, that the That's medical community. That's a major metropolis. Yeah, you would think that they all talk. Yeah. You know, so you'd call up and you go, hey, Bob, I'm getting ready to hire this guy, Christopher Dunst, here. And, uh, you know, he said they worked for you guys. Like, hey, kind of on the down low, what's happening with him? Hey, look. Yeah, we were afraid we were going to get sued. We're just kind of passing him off. I wouldn't hire him. Just yeah. just letting you know. Something. Fucking well, something. I'll tell you this. I mean, because my little town in Oregon, kind of mm -hmm. little, mm -hmm. kind of little, in the, because I told you, in my little town, there is at least 10 elderly care facilities, at least. It's a college slash old folks retirement center. <laughs> you know, because we have a major university and a fucking retirement complexes. Anyways, even there in the small town, the facilities in the area all know everybody. Right. Like, my mom was a DNS, Director of Nursing Services, at the facilities she worked at, you know, for a long time. She knew the administrator in DNS at all the other facilities. Had a that very good working relationship with them. <laughs> Could call them up, say, hey, we're looking at getting this patient. What should be, we be aware of? Hey, look, we noticed that this higher this nurse is applying over here. We she listed you guys as a reference, you know, blah blah blah, you know. And even though there's things legally they can only say for report purposes, right? I know for a fact that people gossip, and they're like, you know, you didn't hear from me, but Shaniqua and Moniqua Brown. Well, and a better example, we did Caesar Baroni. Yes, you know, and Caesar worked with your mom very much. So. And if if he was doing nefarious shit. At that facility, and he went to go apply to a different facility and talking. Yeah, to my mom had been like, "I don't think that's okay." I don't think you want to really yeah, hire Caesar, we, man. We've actually had to like put him on restrictive duties. I don't think you like, want to. Yeah, we, we yeah. can't prove anything, but something's not right. Yeah, something's off. Yeah, and you would think that they would do this. It's just fucking stupid. They allow these assholes to fucking just. I'm just irritated. Yeah. I'm over here irritated. No, I am too. I was because, like I said, I mean, I was planning on doing a different person this time and I came across this one and I started reading I'm like oh no I gotta do this one first. I gotta go in for a blood draw in the next couple of weeks for my A1C and you know get my full panels you're done gonna and do, shit. you're gonna do the draw yourself I might ask him hey look 
I know how to do this. Fucking give me it. I'll just I'll do the draw myself. Just tie me off. I'll be okay. Uh, hey, look, let me explain. Because we do a goddamn podcast and we do a lot of damn medical Mondays and you could be a psycho. I don't know. I don't know you. Let me talk to your mom. I want to talk to your mom. That's who I want to talk to. I want to talk to your mother. <laughs> you get your mother on the phone before you draw my blood. But hey, wait. You got to make sure that she's not like fucking um, Charles Albright's mom. Oh, yeah. And shit that'll just go to prison for him. Yeah. Yeah. You got to make sure mama's okay, too. I might be asking some fucking questions from now Yeah, on. but no, it's like I said, it just flabbergasts me, flabbergasts me that we're still seeing. That. I mean, and the fact that this case was so recent and it happened like this makes me it's nauseous. Asinine. Huh? It's totally asinine. Asinine. <coughs> but I'm done. All right. I've got nothing else to add. You don't? I just think this guy's a fucking douchebag. Yeah. All right. Remember, you can send us an email at BrutalNation at TwistedBlueLLC.com. Let's see what else. Check us out on Medium, Crime Beat on Medium, or wherever you get your blogs from. Check out uh, our website at www.twistedbluellc.com. Click on that Amazon link. It helps out the show. Doesn't cost you a penny extra. Well, I'm trying to think that should be it, right? Except for the copyright 2022 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights are reserved, and we'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Bye bye. Bye, everybody. I'm so glad you're in the right year now. Yeah, me too. I'm surprised. Bye.